0: Well, everybody's heard about the bird, 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 bird,
1: word, oh, well, uh, bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. ladies and gentlemen, cabos, y caballeros. Wait, I fucked that up. Remember I worked it out? What is it, actually? Damas. Damas y caballeros. Fuck, I was embarrassed. Yeah, that was a lesson that we learned here. But welcome to the uh, amazing, continually burning dumpster fire that is...
2: The international episode of Grown Men Watch This Shit. Not international, we're in the same nation. I fucked up too, Chris. God damn it. (laughs) Anyway, it's Grown Men Watch This Shit, and you're here with us, and we're in the car with our buddy, John Kraft, traveling back to Los Angeles after a detour and went
1: John
0: Kraft, the roving Mexican reporter who's not actually Mexican, took (laughs) these guys down to show what I've always done and stories that I've never told on this podcast
1: for reasons like because we were so excited from shit that you, stories you have told on this podcast
0: (sighs) we had to make wrestling happen, I couldn't even lie and act like that was why I was going there
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah John uh, may not be Mexican but he has been in Mexico and more Mexicans than I ever have been
1: Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> Operator error is what a lot of time when it comes down to it with technical difficulties.
1: Yeah. So uh, we attempted this the first time. Uh, this is this is take two. We had a really funny joke. On the first version, that uh, we're not going to allude to now, but just everyone know we it was it. it was fucking great. <laughs> we all had a good laugh. It's
2: good. Yeah, sometimes it's fun to laugh at your friend's expense. <laughs> sometimes.
1: <laughs> so anyway, welcome to grown men watch this shit. Yes, we do. I think we already got the intro in the last version, but at least we got it, me saying it this time, yeah, right?
2: You know, we'd like to mix it up uh, every once and so often. So here we are back in the automobile. As I've said before, headed to Los Angeles, California.
1: California, yay! Uh, fresh out of Tijuana. You know they
2: let you get into Mexico very easy. The the time it takes to get back to the country <laughs> it was
1: hard for us. What it a up. bitch! I really thought it would be that way, and then it really was. <laughs> yeah,
2: they almost rejected Chris's uh, passport because he didn't have one of the important details. That actually, let him into our country. Yeah, Uh, but they were nice enough to not make him a mexican citizen
1: yeah i I was uh, considering my life choices at that moment (laughs) thinking how am i going to make a buck living in mexico (laughs) (laughs) i also on
0: my way back in the first time ever uh was pulled over to secondary uh for inspection for some reason and uh the woman that was going to be doing everything uh asked why i'd gone down there and i mentioned love of lucha libre and wrestling and just like all women in my life, she immediately became disinterested and did not even look through my bag and sent me on my way and said, Welcome back.
1: So, yeah, yeah
2: use that as a tip. If you're ever, like, pulled over by a police talk officer... and talking you, about you, wrestling. You know how much I yeah. love professional wrestling. Are you familiar with the big boss man, sir? He was a professional wrestler and a police officer.
1: So, <laughs> let's talk about your love for Ravishing Rick Root right now.
2: <laughs> Just start gyrating the hits. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Chris made a mention of his travels for... The, gra- the fine arts of professional grappling uh, with his guy, and some funniness happened from that, go ahead. Yeah,
1: he busted my balls, he, <laughs> he's like, liberally <incredibly> yeah, I'm <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so wrestling and he's like, what? And I'm like, pro wrestling right, thinking, that, that's pretty much there, right, yeah. like, who doesn't know what fucking pro wrestling is, anyway, he continues huh, and I'm <laughs> like, i come from Mexico I'm like, oh, you know, the mask stuff and he's like, I see, the, I see the eyes like, process it, and he looks at me, like, dead in the eye, and he's like you mean that fake stuff <laughs> oh, and you know, like us pro wrestling fans, that's, why, that's a bit of an insult, should've right? Stuck it to the border patrol. Right? I really should have gotten hot and cut a promo <laughs> on him right there. Listen here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, through here, in this country. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, I did not, and I, I just really sadly looked it back at him and was like, "Yeah, that face stuff." <laughs> oh, awesome. like,
2: Listen here, mate. I love wrestling. Big fan. Look me that. I do I it way better. Why am I fucking up so bad? <laughs> it. It's been a long week.
1: No, I, I, I totally bitched out, and then he's like, the fake stuff. I'm like, yeah, the fake stuff. <laughs> and then he looks at me again, and he's like, so you travel all the way from Australia to come here to walk, watch fake wrestling. And I had a moment where I had to like kind of assess myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did right. we say earlier off mic? Just because it's true does not make it your place to say the truth. Exactly,
1: right? We we had a bit at the at the um, border where it's like, do you have anything to declare? This was one of those moments. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I fucking did. I yeah. guess I travel across like, oh, this yeah, fucking world. For fake wrestling. No, we established in this car, ride. Right? It's not for fake wrestling. It's for the other bros in this car. Yes. Friendship. Yes, indeed. Friendship. But also, I mean, wrestling's pretty good, too. This is a wrestling podcast, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so then the, the kicker was, I was like, yep, like wrestling and coffee, I guess. I bet like, it'd be funny. You're like, ah, fuck it, you got me.
2: I have a bunch of heroin in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you love that.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, was like, Damn, are you really gonna make me search your asshole? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's down there. I promise you. Just go a little deeper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been an action-packed couple days. Uh, well, That's one like day, full of one packed. packed to the brim. Uh, in in Tijuana, we were all kind of like. Uh, Different levels of tired, I guess, when we were going down there. We we went down on very little sleep and the yeah. traffic sucked and then we, we finally get there and it's like you're excited, but at the same time you're just like so faded. And uh, then we it took we, like an hour to get a rooms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all my enthusiasm just quietly died in that waiting room when they yes. were getting the rooms sorted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I got a second wind. Um and then I was like, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> see I'm used I'm to gonna to go
0: being a clusterfuck. I mean it's it's a beautiful clusterfuck, but it's not like like the, the reason it's fun to watch wrestling there is it's not because everything goes right and that's the same experience that you will have at restaurants yes. and bars and interacting with people you get real stories and they're very interesting but it's like they're not all good things that happen to you it's just
1: yeah when when shit goes sideways and then like random crazy amazing shit happens yeah. because of that fallout that's like the best description of yeah. the whole of Tijuana it's
0: <laughs> it's just
1: a whirlwind <laughs> of a clusterfuck
0: it's it's a hurricane And it's really interesting.
1: Mm. And, like, real. Like, there's so many moments where I was like, this is a fucking real... Real people. Yeah, we real, real guy get really real... stabbed. We saw a guy get stabbed! <laughs> oh, man, I cannot believe I was not here for this Tawana story, because i was telling everybody that never happens, apparently. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we didn't see the actual stabbing. We didn't see the knife go in the belly, no. but we saw the aftermath, and there was a lot of blood in that guy's belly. Yes. Of so holding the hole.
2: Yeah, he was definitely trying to keep his innards in, or maybe just oh, the blood God. flow. Uh, but, yeah, dude, we're driving, we're walking around, uh, checking out all the sites, bump into interesting people and then randomly stab dude
1: <laughs> <laughs> holy shit what a great infomercial this <laughs> is for the tourism industry of Tijuana well
2: okay they must go without if I'm gonna Mention a man getting stabbed, I must also put over the greatest drink I ever had in my life also took place in holy yeah, shit. Mexico. So this I was on I a call from drink John.
0: On an earlier podcast.
2: Ooh, I that might be actually oh, that might be true. an little bit more than a little bit of a little bit what an Easter egg. If yes. we have
0: any grown men watch uh shit historians that have quite fun of us. Yep. right? taken so she at least she to those of comments. She's quite studious. Right, so she of us that to it. Um, hopefully if she's going to make fun of us that hard. So, uh, yeah, Courtney, or any other historians, if you're listening, can you go Josh? back and let us maybe know? Josh, maybe Josh
1: can go back and give Josh, it a listen. you yeah, yep. yeah. might have,
0: like, Excel spreadsheets or, like, anything like this, tracking reports.
1: <laughs> We'd uh, appreciate the
0: feedback. Yeah, just let us know if we talked about this drink. Anyways, go ahead. Talk about it. Uh, it was a
2: delicious smoked mezcal old-fashioned. And by smoked, like, literally... It was they, really smoked. It was smoked. They came out with this carafe full of smoke that the smoke poured out as they poured the booze into our drink. What a fucking presentation! They actually made it uh, an effort to come over and actually show us it being poured in the glass. So you didn't have to just hey,
0: oh and here's and my you glass. They the part. bar. They actually burn the mesquite wood and bottle that smoke, and then they let it sit there while they make something else for a second, and they come back to it. Um, but, Man, we really should yeah. have been to that bar next time. Yeah, you get to see it on fire. I'll show you on my phone sometime. I've got a video from. But this travel. was
2: fucking fantastic. And then they had a amazing menu, but we decided to try some one of the cheaper items. It was a steamed pork belly bun. One of the cheaper, but, but still, like, real good items, oh, you know? The, and by cheaper, I just mean cost-effective-wise. It was just... Yes. They so, go to
0: Mexico and order Asian.
2: Fucking the delicious. <laughs> it was Mexican pork belly.
1: Yeah, it was a pork belly bow, and like, I've had many of those back home, but this was a, this was really good. Yeah,
2: I, I, honestly, I had to stand up and applaud the chef that he, uh, he bowed and
1: cut. Yes, that was a nice moment, but the fucking, some of the best food I ate, honestly, in the entire time in Tijuana, were like the fucking Dollar Street tacos that John put us onto. Also, I can guarantee that is on the podcast, <laughs> Excellent. Camp?
0: Yes. All right. So basically, I finally took these guys to all the shit I've been talking about for a while, and they get it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Incredible. Um, the, st- the first street taco. When we first get out of the, uh, after we finally get checked in, right? We're heading out the door, and we, we head to the place. And I, I'm pretty sure you put over the, this this uh, taco place as well on the podcast, right? Yes. yes. Indeed. yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. And the uh, one that's nearest.
0: The brothels is also the very best taco in the entire world. Did we just admit that we stayed in Brothel Town? Well, I want people to be <laughs> able to fight it. No, 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 no. We just, we <laughs> yeah, just we stay did. in brothel. It's, it's all, all kind of like right there in the downtown area, right? Uh, but the ones that Anthony Bourdain put over and, you know, the ones that are really notorious are the places where a lot of these, like, old Americans go, right? And and that's one of the things you'll find is you have big business and places to get the tourism, and that's one of the kind of the places, so gives you a good excuse to go you know check out some strip clubs or whatever yeah the but, coolest part to yeah. me
1: was the people watching
0: yeah yeah it's really <laughs> it's just really really interesting you know you see um, really interesting local you know poverty beggars people that are trying to help you in any kind of way for a tip they're not even trying to rob you it seems sketchy because it is sketchy but they're not trying to rob you they just want your money in exchange they'll like help you find a restaurant or whatever you know and they act like they know people, whatever, they just want some money. You can trust
1: Stony Tony, but don't trust anyone else. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) don't don't be, you know, if you you are looking for drugs, are you really going to buy it for some weird dude missing a leg and, like, not speaking perfect English, but looking like he hadn't showered in a month, offering you drugs on the street, like, walking up to you? You know, wasn't well, really a good guy walking up to us? <laughs> that's a
2: yeah. We yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. That guy's amazing. actually whatever drugs he's on, I want them. <laughs> he walked up with on one leg. But yeah. a Tony Tony, uh, John actually put him over before we got to Mexico the and first literally pursued. He was like, hey, hey, like
1: a welcoming guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. He started following us down. They're like, yeah, Tony, we we just got here. Well we'll get back with you. But yeah, Stony Tony, amazing. <laughs> so, actually the one thing about the city I found amazing is how I felt so out of my element just because it was so busy and so crazy, and but everyone seemed to be, you know, just doing their thing and, like, making mm-hmm. no... Yeah. It's no big deal for them. They're just fucking going about their day, and I'm here like, wow, this is fucking incredible.
1: Yeah, what just, I've like, always, imagining that life 24-7, you yeah. know, after we leave, like, that's the fucking life.
2: Yeah. What I've always said
0: about Tawana to different people is... That's one a white privilege
2: that, when my ass, so I apologize.
1: Yeah,
0: and, and, <laughs> and I know this is gonna this, how this could sound, but, you know, try to hear where I'm coming from in a positive light. Uh, people in Tijuana, I respect because they are honest about ripping you off, and so I give the example when you go when you're walking down the main strip on Revolution and you see these people selling these knockoff masks that, of course, we all wanted to look at. We talked about for quite some time, and some of us bought. Um, guilty
1: as charged, guilty
0: as sure, charged. Right? I have my own as well, uh, but that's the thing is like you know that they're ripping you off on the price, but it's still a good deal for you. It's a good deal for them. They do need the money, and it they're not like hiding it. And we, as society, are, are fake as shit sometimes with how we, how oh, we yeah. treat people and, you know, you tell things to their face and you say another thing. Like, we've, we're all guilty of it, right? And I respect that these are just people that are like, yeah, I'm ripping you off a little bit, but you're getting a better price than you would in the States. Yeah, and, and there's obviously.
1: something so great yeah. about yeah. the, I'm gonna the sure idea. I'm going to make have a good time. I'm going to make some money out of you, but you're going to have a good time. The, the idea, honest, idea of the, the honest shit. hustler yes. I think is great.
2: It, the hustling comment is actually great. Because The entrepreneurship of everybody. Hell, even the pharmacist when you're walking by. It's a regular <laughs> pharmacist. Incredible. Calling you to come into the pharmacy. Like, you're right, dude. I do need some fungal cream. Hang on. <laughs> Hola, amigo.
1: Pharmacia. <laughs> Pharmacia. <laughs> we have
0: Viagra. We have Cialis. We have. What do you need? What do you need? We have other things. Yeah. It I was hate. incredible. I forgot about how great that guy was. And that was the thing. So, yeah, this this guy's cat, you know, basically they call him Barkers. You know, they try to get you to come in their bars and their restaurants and the advertiser specials. And the pharmacy does this as well. And I walk past and I'm like joking. Oh, yeah, guys, maybe we hadn't considered. Should we get some drugs that we did not need like five minutes ago? And this uh, man who looked like he'd seen some uh, tough times was sitting on a bench. And in passing is like, well, why the hell not? (laughs) So props to that
1: guy. Then, uh, so I, w- I was putting over the tacos. So the the tacos. We walk around the corner, and then first thing we see is this like place with these fucking dollar tacos, and they had all of the awesome shit. So they're most well known for their pork. Uh, the the beef's pastor. real good as well. So the pork is the pastor. Uh um, trompo. So I made sure to get the pastor, but then also I've uh, I was I've always been really into, like, the whole animal um, experience in terms of uh, butchering, butchering and, and using all of the animal and offal and, and that kind of stuff. And so they had tripe, uh, tripa, uh, so I made sure to get that. And um, so I had the two coming, and I, I looked at the, the fucking um, big boiling pot with the tripe in there, and there's just, like, several fucking stomachs. There's intestines that are... Bubbling around, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I've overcommitted here. This is this is getting a little bit too real. Uh, this is actual intestines that yep. I'm about to devour. And then he like took them out. He quickly chopped them up, fried them up a little bit. I'm like, all right, that's, that's all right. And then fuck, man, I uh, I ate that bad boy. I Ate it first, actually, before the the more uh, socially acceptable pork. And fuck, man, that trooper like blew it's got my some mind game to it. But it's, textures, uh, so many interesting textures, you're flavors. in you an
0: organ where it's got that kind of like that metallic hint, but Ew. not to the point where you wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> eating some organ, right? Where it's got that, you know, the kind of like mineraly y flavor that, you know, you may not eat it every day, right, but it's it's still delicious in its own right. I thought, I think it looks really interesting, too. It's like
1: a corkscrew. Yeah, that was was great. We had more amazing tacos through the trip. We had some awesome beers. Uh, and the fucking coffee, man, blew my mind. I was not expecting much from uh, Tijuana in terms of coffee, but I had some coffee from Veracruz, which was, like, some of the greatest coffee I've ever had in my life, like an experimental natural that uh, this is not a coffee podcast. I'm not going to go too further into it, Uh, but I guess it's time we talk about some fucking wrestling.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I about to say, it's not a Tijuana podcast either, but we definitely made it half the podcast about the beautiful, beautiful city. Dirt ball that is
1: Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> what tourist privilege uh, exploring hey, the world?
2: Ball. I like. To, I think Reseda is a little dirt ball that I fell in love with. Sometimes yeah. the little dirt balls are near and dear to your heart, just because they you know they've seen some tough times, but they're staying, they're sticking in there.
1: Yeah, I've always thought of Reseda as the the lovable shithole that'll never leave my heart.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> it's
1: upfront about ripping you off. Yeah, <laughs> ninety bucks, <laughs> no air conditioning. We'll give you a good show though, and cheap fucking jugs yeah. of beer that oh, we fucking miss receda. Oh, miss receda. Speaking of cheap jugs, Tijuana. Hey. hey, too Zing. easy, too easy. Yeah. <laughs> so the fucking show we, we we did go to fucking Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, so We've yep. seen two nights of it, uh, and then we've had our, our Exodus to Tijuana. We're on the way back right now. Uh, trying to get to this show, we're cutting it a little bit fine. Yo. I think we maybe have to return a rental car. I don't think we're going to do that. We're going to hope that we're okay till tomorrow, and uh, get to this fucking show. Um, but I mean, thoughts on the, the first two nights, guys? They're almost like they feel like in the rearview mirror. I'm like, they're done.
2: I actually, because of Mexico and waking up early, it feels like we've done so much since we see those two first shows. Yeah, uh, but gotta say they're both interesting entities upon their own, like, me, both night were great, uh, I think me and Chris were a little more partial the first night, just because the first half Agreed. of the first show was, Chris, was, or John as well, uh, first half of the first show was just lights out, all first four matches were fucking
1: mm,
0: great. It opened with a banger, which Probably was a the, contrast from last year, but night one was, was fantastic, but it did it not. a slow the, build, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was a very slow build, and they opened with some bangers, man. Some of the best matches I've seen from wrestlers I have not seen much
1: of. Yeah, this was like the first, best first half show A-Kid, I think Lucky I've Kidd ever
0: seen. A yeah,
1: pass. A-Kid and Lucky Kid that was, was my match pass. of the night. I and think it was Jeremy's 20, match 20, 20 of the night.
0: minutes. Yep. You know, 20-25 minutes. They went on what you'd almost expect to be a little long, except for it was just so enthralling. It was great. Yeah, like,
1: imagine two complete, un- I mean, not complete unknown guys. They probably watched some YouTube shit, but like for the most part, a lot of those fans probably never seen them before in their life. And he just hit it out of the fucking park. So I, I was like, uh, "A kid is going to be a fucking star. Like well, he's a presence about Mania him." He was week, but
0: he was in a lot of like multi-man
1: matches. Yeah, we like, didn't get really and, get you know, to get a proper feeling of him, did right. we? The only thing
0: we knew about him was he had this five-star technical masterpiece with Zach, and then he's in some multi-man shit, right? So yeah, it was really cool to be able to see him, especially in the bowl environment, where you really try to you know you you take that opportunity to get yourself over, right? Yeah, and if you get over with them, you change your life as a wrestler, and uh, you know he really came out and just hit it hard. Both, both of them did. Lucky, Lucky was great as well, first time seeing him.
1: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the... So there are a few unknowns or like debuts, PWG debutantes, uh, as you will, um, who really it was on them, like, like John was saying, to, to prove uh, themselves, to get over with the fans, to try to get that please come back chant. Yeah. And we've, we've spoken a little bit about this previously, about the idea of the, the please come back chant, to where... I remember uh, the other year when I was there and it was like Jonah's debut and I was like really hoping that he'll get that please come back chair and I was like nervous and honestly I was the first one to <laughs> like fucking clap it out and get it going. <coughs> like this, is, this isn't cheating at all. Um, but yeah, so it, it's almost become a, an expectation we're saying now with these new guys to where you know, even if the crowd maybe wasn't that crazy wild, they feel like, oh well, we yeah, we would kind of have to give them the please come back. We don't admit, we don't even feel bad.
0: Yeah, uh, it's the everybody knows everybody vibe of PWG. It's like, oh well, we don't want to
2: be assholes. This guy. Sometimes really cool. they don't even necessarily get a second time to get that opportunity. Yeah. I guess. Mm. Uh, Jake Atlas' debut in PWG I guess was poor like yeah the very first time they ever had him on the show I guess he just it was a miss and, and that made it- a
1: lasting impression I was like fucking un- unfairly in hindsight yeah. burying Jake Atlas when we were watching some of his stuff earlier and then he fucking hit it out of the park on night too hey and yeah. speaking of the please don't come back chant, you guys... Please don't come back. Or please don't come... Don't, they, <laughs> actually,
2: they did that for Sammy Guevara. Don't come back. <laughs> Fucking amazing. But anyway, uh, I didn't hear a strong <laughs> please come back chant for my boy Artemis Spencer. Did you guys?
1: I think he might be the only one that didn't get one. Oh,
2: fuck, man. Honestly, I've seen already. do some Actually, I think that was a
1: faint one. I think that was a faint one.
2: I think... I, I was the Seattle I, people were. I don't sick. automatically do it just because I. I again, it's, it becomes precursory that you do it at the end of a match at points and it becomes un, ungenuine. It's kind of lame. But yeah. Jake Atlas definitely redeemed himself yes. in a fucking amazing match that with went Jungle on with Jungle
1: Boy forever like that was the match forever. I was
2: really looking forward
1: to so this to. was probably best match of night 2 mm-hmm. consensus what I, was I the agree. car thing that was
0: that was definitely the matchup I wanted to see just because of their personal history together like two guys that are friends getting out there just having fun and I wanted to see what they could do um, being just kind of these mid-level you know, up and comings not already the pentagons of the world and I was really expecting just to see something cool not necessarily like a amazing wrestling match whatever but it ended up being great in every capacity it was cool to watch them work together it gave me everything I was hoping for a little bit more
2: insane
1: yeah it was so great and especially for me again after <laughs> just that day we watched was it PWG 200 yeah and um again like getting those flashbacks to, to Jake's debut that wasn't stellar and I was just like I don't get what fucking everyone says about him right you know like Dave Meltzer's like putting him over but like insane I'm like I, I just don't get it um, and then we are talking about that, and then he just goes and hits it out of the park, and that's cool. I love being proven wrong like that. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just, like, great to, to see and, like, someone to, to show so much more than you, thought they're capable of. So, yeah, all right, Jay Atlas is going to be a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I actually,
2: when Chris and I were talking about it, I actually legitimated Really? I was shocked that he wasn't a fan of the guy's work, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit to come around
1: Yeah, and I did. And another um, debutante that we were talking about that did get a Please Come Back, uh, Mick Moretti. Oh, fuck. So he's a guy that i put over hard on this podcast before um, from uh, seeing him in person. And a a dude that's just starting to to break into that US scene. He's done some stuff on um, Beyond Wrestling on uh, Uncharted territory. And he's done some stuff in Denver, as John and I have uh, discussed. And this was his big chance. Yeah, you know, when I, I met him, I had the pleasure
2: of picking him up in the airport at uh, Denver. And I'll be honest, I had never seen him. I only he kind of heard his name, and
0: I didn't even know where he was from. And uh, Chris said he was great, so I was going to pay attention. And obviously got a chance to uh, sit in traffic with him for a while. And he was telling me, he, he spoke confidently about his work and his talent. And he said, I feel like I'm just waiting on that that big break, right? And then he got announced for Ebola, and I reached out, and he was like, hell yeah, I'm in Ebola. Like, this is my break. And oh, this had been a long time coming, house. too, because both yeah. of
1: the previous Bowlers guys that we've all been together at, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Mick Moretti was at those shows helping out. He was sitting on the stage. Really? Yeah.
2: Oh, he that's when he had the crazy around.
1: hair still. Yeah, yeah. He, like, uh, I remember that one of them, he had to, like, quickly dump under the ring to, like, fix up the, the ring cables when they got a little bit fucked up. So this isn't just, like, an overnight thing where he gets that call. This is, like... Long time coming. Yeah. So I thought that was extra cool.
0: Yeah, he definitely did a good job, and uh, he told me he was happy with his work, and I, I certainly agreed. And seems was very happy with just the whole experience. He really
1: I've turned played. it up. He showed such a different side of him. I think I was saying than like what um, I'd, I'd come to expect, even from his recent work from a couple months ago. So, a hundred percent, he's, he's going to be back, and I'm happy for him. He's a great talent.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, huge personality and incredibly athletic, and does some really unique shit. So. That's one of the things you strive for in wrestling. Like, a lot of people do a lot of the same shit, unfortunately, and it gets a lot of cookie-cutter, but Mick Moretti is definitely an individual in the world of,
1: uh, you know, doppelgangers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite one that's original in the world of professional wrestling in 2018. Yeah. But uh, in his own way, he is, which is cool. Now, this is fun. So, at home, we do the show. Uh, we have a, a pee break gimmick where uh, I, I leave and uh, I have to go pee. 'Cause I have a embarrassing uh, bladder, as Courtney would say. Hi Courtney. <laughs> um and yeah, then Jeremy just kinda like talks about shit that's uh, around his uh, his studio apartment, I guess. Yes. The uh so let's continue that gimmick. I'm gonna go into a service station and, and piss. Uh take the reins, Mr. Jeremy. Oh
2: man. Oh, I could say some really terrible things. You really good. <laughs> no one is listening to this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I'm not really in this automobile. I'm in a rental car that John has so nice enough to set up. Um, the one thing that we about this rental car is it has some safety features. You're familiar with these things that they've added to cars like Lane Departure Assist, which... Makes you think like the car is coming out of control and trying to get itself back in the lane and John was freaking out. He literally thought he was going into divots in the road. But no, no, it was the automobile taking control of itself. And I do hear a lot of people get those things disabled. I... Personally, I think it's fucking ridiculous. I would definitely get that shit disabled. I can stay in the lane for myself. And if you were going to be driving around and all of a sudden this lane assist takes control, doesn't that look a little bit like swerving and you're going to get pulled over and accused of a DUI? (sighs) Who needs it? Not me, I'll tell you that much. Um, Man, I can't believe I've been talking this long about the car. Uh, So we have some fine interior in this Hyundai. I don't remember what model it was, but it does have the backup assist camera, which... John, again, Mr. Kraft, decided not to make use of as he was backing up. And I'm like, hey, man, it's got that sweet camera for you. Just take advantage of that little gimmick there. Makes it much easier. So anybody who gets an automobile these days, you should have that backup camera gimmick because it's fucking sweet. I get nervous doing my parallel parking. Um, Fucking hey, man, you guys need to come back. (laughs) Um, So let's see. I see a beautiful lady with love Jesus across her breasts in front of me. Um, that's, that's, that's a shoot. And then we have, uh, the road we are on right now is Avery and Camino Capistrano. So if you, anybody wants to Google to see where we are actually speaking from at this very moment, you might even, if we're on Google earth, you could see us right now via satellite. No way. No, you can't. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's Avery and Camino Capistrano. God, I've had too much Red Bull. Ugh. Hey Courtney, are you still listening to this? <laughs> Damn, I can't... Re- I still don't see these guys. I really want to stop talking now, but I guess I will continue for the sake of this wonderful podcast. All right, here comes Chris. So this is going to be ending shortly. I think Chris has had his Wii. And he's back! I legitimately did not stop talking that entire time.
1: No, it's, not. <laughs> it's probably terrible. <laughs> it's right content, genius. I'm sure. <laughs> so I just got back. I, I attempted to use the... Uh, the- service station restroom but it was full i'm assuming john was probably in there <laughs> that makes sense we've learned john sometimes can have slow poops
2: yeah you're gonna go pee between his legs as he's taking a shit <laughs> just lean back a little bit john let me get in there
1: that would have been a great uh level of closeness to <laughs> cap off this weekend uh no so i just bailed out and uh, actually peed outside yeah they come into our country. They start pissing all over the place. These dirty
2: Australians. Yeah,
1: yeah. classing up the place. That's me.
2: Woo. All right, John's here.
1: Yeah, John is uh filling up the, filling up the car. Uh, so we we have fuel to get home. It's important. It's
2: very important. Um, man. What do you think? Do we need to go over any more matches on the
1: show, or should we close up shop? Yeah, like to to paint a picture for you guys, we are uh, we're like an hour away from the show. I don't know how far distance wise we're away, but it's like it's three thirty eight in the afternoon. Show starts at five, and we're like I feel halfway between San Diego and LA. Fuck it, yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm, start, I'm worried now. All right. Well, wish
2: us luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one is going to be a close
1: one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll um. It, so we, we said kind of our favourite matches do you have any, any other kind of things that stood out that are like, worth mentioning because we're not going to talk about them again on an extra that will be a summary summary of the final night but uh, anything else that's worth talking about that you thought was interesting from those first two nights
2: we gotta put over Jeff and Daisuke because a fucking in my opinion until I heard about it I wasn't need, knowing that I needed that in my life but as soon as I heard about it it was like a dream match scenario yep. and it was just two big boys slamming into each other.
1: You know how much we love Hullspots? Oh,
2: fucking A. It was awesome. And Santa kind of going in that same vein is uh, the next night there was a tag match involving uh, Brody King and Jeff Cobb versus Dice K and Jonathan Gresham. And holy shit, what an entertaining match. Yes. Brody kind of just took control of the whole thing and was talking throughout the entire thing and basically just doing a running narration of the match and it
1: was fucking hysterical. I think, like, Gresham was one of the most in- entertaining parts oh, of that match, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. When well, he was yelling... Er, Daisuke kept coming
1: in, like trying to help suplex him. Uh, like Daisuke Sakamoto does he, with his old tag team partner, uh, Yuji Okabayashi. They do like the, like, Okabayashi goes to German, suplex the guy, and then uh, Daisuke Sakamoto then picks up Okabayashi, so they double suplex the guy. But uh, Jonathan Gresham, early in the match, made sure that we were aware that he was not all about that.
2: Yeah, we're friends, we're partners. You don't do that to your partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was fucking great. Really entertaining. I. Comedy and wrestling, I always love, but especially when it's like a really great match that has it in there perfectly. Like yeah. Sometimes you can
1: get a little over the top. That, that's the magic when it can be inserted in a way where there's still like the seriousness of the match and it's not like breaking the, the sort of believability in the moment, but it's like pointing out the absurdness in the moment.
2: And mad respect to the PWD audience who, like, almost kind of like uh, a Japanese crowd at points are so quiet and just watching the match and you appreciating can, it. And appreciate it. You can hear the entire dialogue. It's just fucking great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also wanted to make uh, special mention to the awesome match between uh, Brody King and Caveman Ugg.
2: Oh, fuck, man. What? Ugg really made quite an impression. Good on the Australian boys, huh?
1: Yeah, I think it, we were saying it worked out a bit to his benefit that we didn't have Cavanario El Barbero there to make him the, the second Caveman in the building. He got all the focus. Yes,
2: sir. And what? I, I, first time I ever seen him work, and I was fucking impressed. The guy is
1: strong as an ox and. He can move? He can move, man. He, Ugg with flip flip. Ug <laughs> went flip flip yeah it's funny because like last time we uh, we were in New York like we had that bit where we were walking oh, past yeah, like, yeah. and then there's this dude sitting on the side of the street I'm like and I looked at him and I slowed up and I was like and I, I no way believed it was I'm like a UK man Ugh? <laughs> and he was. <laughs> then we had a nice little true. chat. Yeah, that's fucking
2: awesome. Imagine being in New York. Are you K imagine not being <laughs> Cape Ask that question?
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was expecting was gonna happen. Yeah. Uh but yeah, um another a great debut by um fucking what was his name? the new luchador. Oh, Aramis.
2: Aramis. Yeah. Yeah, he killed it. I really quite impressed and dude looks super young, so mm-hmm. I mean as far as his build, you can't see his face, he's a fucking luchador. But uh, and fucking Phoenix put him
1: over as a future lucha star. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um so yeah, we'll uh, wrap it up about now. Uh we we have our show to get to as discussed. I hope you all enjoyed our extended amount of uh bullshit. <laughs> And, um, yeah, let's look forward to an amazing, uh, night three, and I'm actually going to throw now to an we- interview. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. I was about to say, we,
2: this interview is kind of getting thrown in there without any pretense to the fact that we
1: went to the fucking Lucha Museum. We, that was, that was like, if it wasn't for all those other awesome things we said, that yeah. would, I uh, it probably is, like, the highlight of fucking going on to Tijuana, this place is incredible. I'm going to talk uh, all about it with the uh, the the creator, uh, the the proprietor, the the man that curator? makes yeah the curator, all of those things. He does a, he wears a lot of hats. Yes. Uh, just a, an amazing place that was the the museum of Mexican wrestling in uh, Tijuana. So I'll uh, throw over to that one. Uh, I believe I'm going to tag out to myself who conducted that interview. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks guys. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, today we have a solo adventure of uh, Chris of Grown Men Watch This Shit, and I am delighted to be in Tijuana, Mexico, uh, uh, today at the, the Museum of uh, Mexican Wrestling. Uh,
3: how do I pronounce this? It's Mulme, which basically in Spanish would be Museo Lucha Libre Mexicana, or the way it would be read in English is Mexican Lucha Libre Museum.
1: Wonderful, and, and that is uh, the famed Zurel, uh, who is uh, our guide today.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thank you very much for taking the time for, uh, to, to be on the, the podcast of the more independent wrestling is our speciality, but I mean, everyone that listens to this show knows how much I love Lucha Libre, so this is a very special time for me to be in this amazing place that you've put together. So could you please tell our listeners a little bit about how this came together, the collection, uh, and and uh, for for people that uh, hopefully can make it here themselves one day.
3: Okay, well for starters, the collection is one person's collection. It's uh, over six thousand nine hundred uh, pieces, if you will. It starts from figurines, masks, gears, championship belts, trophies, as you can see, uh, books, comic books, um, keychains, small masks, uh, hats, uh, figures like um, like piggy banks, but uh, luchadores. Uh, one person's collection, he was eight years old when he was introduced to Lucha Libre. He fell in love with the sport, and he actually acquired four figurines, which you saw in the ring, and uh, he kept them. And he, At the time, we're talking about way back in the early 70s, it wasn't called collecting. It was mainly acquiring stuff, so you would, you would save stuff and put it away. And um, He actually acquired a lot of comic books, uh, sorry, magazines of Lucha Libre, and some comic books of superheroes and uh, Lucha Libre-based characters. Uh, That's why we have, walking up the the stairs, we actually have uh, um, some examples of um, scanned comic books so people can see the art, the character. Lucha Libre has actually uh, existed in Mexico for a little over 86 years, officially 86, but obviously we found out that it has a 20-year learning curve, if you will. Uh, The founder or the person that actually uh, brought Lucha Libre or created Lucha Libre went to Texas, uh, Mr. Salvador Lutero, mm-hmm. yeah. the
1: creator of uh, El yeah.
3: Concejo. Exactly. So what he did is they invited him to see this event of wrestling. At the time, it was more popular in Europe and in Japan. When it was brought to the States, he saw potential. But then again, as when we talked earlier, you get the American taller, slimmer, versus a Mexican, which is a little bit shorter and stockier. So you have to make the the sport believable. And one of the things that he uh, adapted was a little bit, I'm not saying that wrestling doesn't have technique. Unfortunately, we're talking about mainstream wrestling is kicking, hitting, lifting, and throwing, (laughs) basically. Independently, you and I know that there's a lot of talented guys that do know how to do lucha libre or wrestle, if you will. So what this uh, person, Mr. Lotero, did is implemented more uh, judo, more technique, Besides the character of the mask and all that, okay. I can tell you true story. And I'm talking about this about at least four out of ten guys. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent, would you let your son would you allow your son to go and practice wrestling? Literally? Never. Alright. But <laughs> if you live in Mexico and you know that the number one sport is soccer and your son says, Dad, I'm gonna go practice soccer with my friends, what would you say? Oh sure, sure, of course. Okay, now think about it. Let's say my son, hopefully that he doesn't do it, but let's say my son knows this and he goes and practices Lucha Libre without me knowing, Mm. which happened a lot way back in the day. So, you're training, you're training, you're training. Obviously, after a while, promoters see you. They offer you the opportunity. How would you get on the ring and do a show without people recognizing you?
1: Mm, I guess one would get a mask of some sort.
3: Exactly, and the first characters as far as what we've heard and looked up information first characters were mainly guys in color the guy in black the guy in blue the guy in red white and then some some of the guys started off with animals because they remembered the Aztecs remember the uh the gentleman uh eagle tiger nobleman if you will Mm -hmm. so the warriors mainly so people started to the bat the cat and so on and so forth so afterwards we're talking about let's say 50s going to 60s a lot of characters started to develop, like a Frankenstein. Um, there was a Nazi, uh, a Mexican. He, he was Mexican, though, but the mm. character was named Nazi because he kind of looked German. And so he got the gear and stuff, and he went with the character. So, I mean,
1: that's like classic professional wrestling, like uh, the Von Erichs. They're not, not, Fritz Von Erich was not really a, a German either. So.
3: so anyhow, one of the things that Mr. Luterot saw is the theatrics of the character. And that's how Lucha Libre became the, the phenomenon that it is. Mm. So now let's fast forward current time. It still applies where kids will actually tell their parents, I'm going to go practice soccer with my friends when mm. they, in reality, have gone to the, to the gym and trained Lucha Libre. So, and uh, this collection basically, my friend actually trained Lucha Libre. Uh, he created the character. So uh, if uh, you need the logo, if you see the character, it's, uh, his name is Darki Big fan of Batman, so that's why the Dark Knight. He likes lizards, so that's why Dark Iwana. At first, my character was na- my my, my Zarel. At first, my character was going to be Dark Claw. Because, again, also a fan of Batman, but a fan of Wolverine. Mm. But at the time, a lot of the guys, and I'm talking about 15 years ago when we were training and doing stuff, a lot of guys had the name very Americanized. Mm. So I thought, why should I go? I mean, I do love Wolverine and Batman, but... I can create my own character. I mean, I have the visually I already had the mask, but not the name, and I just came up with the name and Zarel exists. And I did a stint for one year. Basically, it was uh, California area, and um, mainly in the states in uh, Mexicali. Never in Tijuana though. Never in my hometown. Uh, but did anyhow, that
1: you? that's I, something that like a little bit.
3: Yes, a little bit of me. But that, then again, I've had the opportunity to get on the ring as a host, visitor, referee, if you will. So, I mean, it, 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 it's tame. That, that, that heartache, if you will, is tame. But still, I know the feeling. yeah. So <laughs> coming back to the collection of the, of the museum, my buddy, loving the sport, loving the stories, loving all of this information, he decided to start uh, saving out the magazines and getting figurines, but that's another thing. If you go and purchase those little plastic figures that don't have any joint and movement, but you had fun with them. So what he did is he actually from the magazines looked up different characters and saw all the angles of the set mask and he actually customized since he was little like playing with different characters, and um, he started to save and save and save. Now he, as I said, he trained. So you get to know the guys and Remy Steady Senior, he's the teacher of everybody in Tijuana, mm-hmm. actually gave him a mask as a gift. That was his first professional mask. Wow. So what happened so afterward?
1: Maybe early nineties.
3: Yes. So imagine you got your first mask, you got your magazines, you got your figurines, you got your uh, hats, you got T-shirts. What's the next step? Start acquiring and knowing more people. And if you like the mask, you like the color. So that's how basically this collection started. And one of the things he actually just told me a couple of days ago, he uh, someone offered to sell him a championship belt. Someone that needed the money, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things that you know they don't make mass produce like, yeah. So this guy, he's like, apparently he had, I don't remember, he never actually, Mauricio doesn't like to say why or how, just he acquired it, and I never asked. I mean, we've been friends for 20 years. (laughs) Mystery. Yes, part of it. But I know he's a good-hearted man, so that's one of the things I love about this project because a a lot of people hear Lucha Libre and they think of the violence, allegedly. I say Lucha Libre is a storyline. And when I, I fell in love with when I was four years old. So to me, that was the closest thing to superheroes because you got the good guy and the bad guy wearing capes and masks. What else? Yeah, what we'll gets
1: better than
3: that? Exactly. So we met each other. We started to hang out, and we had our characters, and we just started from there on. Uh, one of the things I do as my uh, collection, if you will, I don't acquire everything because uh, i got a lot of superhero stuff as is. And um, what I do is I do take pictures with the luchadores, it doesn't matter, Japanese, American, Mexican, everybody, new guy or older. It doesn't matter to me as long as you get on the ring and I like what you did. I get, I asked to get a picture. I print it in uh, six by eight. Afterwards, eventually, if I'm lucky, I get the picture signed, and that's my collection, Ooh. which I I believe eventually will be shown here in the museum. We're figuring that out because as you can see, there's everything is covered, <laughs> even the ceiling, the walls, everything. So, um, the idea of the whole of the museum. Started ten years ago, but it actually came to fruition about five years ago that the building was acquired. So we were saving a lot of money. We started working on this project about yeah about the same time when it was so acquired. The so it was
1: acquired like uh, your arena Mexico of sorts,
3: if you will. Yeah, and uh, the place was acquired. I had to a lot of work be done, and uh, carpenters, electricians, everybody did their thing. And when uh, the area was ready to start setting up the museum. It took us a year and eight months to do the whole thing. I th- in retrospect, I think we did it fast because it's a lot of thing, a lot of work. It's incredible
1: to think how much work went into that short amount of time looking at this place that I'm in right now. It's just amazing.
3: And I can tell you that every display that you see in this place was at least set up and torn on three times at least. Wow. Because it was the architect, the owner of the collection, and myself. We were like, we, we had to be and. Uh, we have to say that we, were, we liked it 100%. If something wasn't right, something doesn't feel right, we took it off and we did some changes. But the thing is, you would think you take just some of it off and put it back. No, no, no. We took everything out. We literally, the original idea so, looks so different than what it is, but I think it works perfectly because you walk in, you see the ring, right? You, you see the album, you see the small mask. Uh, oh, People, trust me. You have to come to Tijuana, and when you're here, we are open Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, 10 to 6. So you walk in, you see the small masks, which are kind of like keychains. You see some plastic figurines and the hats. You see some uh, luchadores of Tijuana with a little uh, space for them. We have a nicho of mil mascaras. Mauricio is a big fan of mil mascaras. Next to you, you will see a collection of, of things that an adult would have, like cups, glasses, and more stuff like that. And you walk towards the wall, you see over 580 figurines made out of uh, plaster and handmade. That's another thing people don't know about about Lucha Libre. Everything you see in Lucha Libre is handmade. It's craft. Even the the masks of the luchadores, the boots, the capes, everything is handmade. Mm -hmm. So you have to get a tailor. It's not like there's a machine like, here, throw me 100 masks of El Santo. No, no, no. A guy has to actually measure, cut, and sew. And that's one of the things I'm proud of being a Mexican because, I mean, it's, it's – there's magic there. There's uh, creativity. So, I mean –
1: craftsmanship. One of my favorite things, one of my first favorite things when I fell in love with Lucha Libre was just how amazing the, the costumes were and the masks were and how they're better than anywhere else in the world of professional wrestling, anywhere in the world. And it's that craftsmanship that you're talking about. And even to this day, I see masks that just blow my mind that how, they, how they can even do that. It's magical.
3: And, I'm, and um, Japan, I believe, has had at the time, uh, we're talking 60s, 70s, some characters that were masked. But the explosion of the 70s in Mexico going all around the world, I think that actually pulled Japan towards more masked characters. Yeah. And, uh, like
1: Mil Mascaris and his uh, legendary career in Japan. And then we see people like Tagamask in Japan, like Ultimate Dragon. Yeah,
3: Ultimate Dragon, Hayabusa. Liger. Mm-hmm. He actually came to Mexico for his uh, farewell tour. Yeah. He was going to come to Tijuana. That's something people don't know. Mm. We were really working for, with their, his people to make it happen. Unfortunately, well, what can I say? Unfortunately, Lucha Libre has its ups and downs, but uh. um, Mauricio actually went and met him, so that was cool. But um, well, we've had the pleasure of having a little over 250 luchadores like Mil Mascara's, Octagon, Silver King. Remember, we you know he died in May. Mm-hmm. He came the year prior. Wow. Yes, um, a lot of juniors like um, Garza Junior, Fishman Junior, Mascara Sagrada Junior. Uh, a lot of the guys locally, obviously, also have been here, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 a pleasure because I mean I think. Everybody that loves lucha libre, like yourself, you're amazed at the whole collection, especially now it's one person's collection. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're even if you're not a fan of lucha libre, I think it's it's impressive all by itself just to see every little detail of the place. So thank you for the opportunity yeah. to uh, talk about something we love.
1: Hey, you're totally welcome. Um, as as you know, this is a, a big passion of mine, uh, and it's just a, it's such a treat to see these different pieces. Uh, I wanted to make mention of a couple of the things specifically. Yeah. Uh, I saw the the
3: actual seats from Arena Mexico. Mexico. Yes. yes oh yes. my gosh! Lutero family heard about the project, and at, they were here about two months when I started helping these guys. Mm-hmm. They came eight months later and just saw forty percent of the place what we were doing. Forty percent is not even half. Yeah. They fell in love and they sent us more stuff like uh, the boots, the golden boots, you see and the, that. Mm-hmm. They don't know who's who they were. I was going to gonna fans, ask you, <laughs> but we decided to keep it uh, anonymous Luchador because we don't want to put a name of someone we're not sure who they belong to. So I think it's better mm-hmm. to help because you have to know Lucha Libre, maybe 100 guys train, only five, if anything, will actually graduate and do the whole test and stuff. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of good people that train get, it, get lost in the way. Maybe they do three months, maybe six months, maybe a year. If you pass the year, you're somebody. Unfortunately, some of the guys, really good guys, they get injured, family, work. It. It sometimes, a lot of the times, to me, it's that one. It's money related. Yeah, I mean, real life gets in the way. Unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, then we have the uh, Auditorio Tijuana seats, and this uh, one's 72, which mm-hmm. is, as we mentioned, a smaller venue. But still one of the big places, or at least historical places. That's where I believe the first Mass versus Mass, hair versus Hair started. Wow. But Auditorio de Tijuana is that the big house. Wow.
1: And you saw how excited I was to see those bow ties, the yeah, authentic the, bow ties of you know the referees. Uh,
3: the family knew about the project. A lot of people found out about the project before we opened, and they actually started, like, the, the trophies you see on most of the displays, mm-hmm. they were donated by the luchadors, and most of them said, you know what? They just uh, there's uh, I don't have the spaces in the house and the wife or the family or before I get divorced and stuff like that. They actually instead of throwing throwing them out, mm-hmm. they actually donated them here, and they are happy because people get to see those recogn- recognitions, those trophies, those yeah. moments of glory, if you will.
1: And it's better to be here for people to see and appreciate than in someone's
3: a nook of a house and no one's going to see it. Exactly. So we've been really fortunate for a lot of a lot of the local guys and national guys, Negro Casas, mm-hmm. Legend. he heard about the museum, he actually came and donated, the day he came, he donated some pants, legendary pants from the 90s, yep. the ones that said 450, yep. I think it's one of the first pairs he wore, wow. black with silver, mm-hmm. he brought them, and then about a month later, he came back, he said, you know what, I brought the shoes to go with them, so <laughs> we were imagining, I like, got like, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, 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 I can yeah. see
1: the goosebumps, I can
3: testify, they're goosebumps right now. As, I mean, even though I work at a museum, if you if you can tell, I mean, I'm, I'm a character involved by myself, but I'm a fan for heart. I mean, I love this place. So That's cool. I have the opportunity to meet a lot of the big names. I mean, Psycho Clown. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, he's a good a, a good luchador. He's not as big as I would love him to be.
1: I mean, he's part of one of the most famous families in the history of lucha exactly. libre. Exactly.
3: So imagine to me. I know he's very popular with a lot of with, with a lot of the fans. To me, he's a good luchador. But he's not where he where they're placing him. I think it's too big of a shoe. But well, that's my, my, my point of view. I'd say he's
1: maybe one of the, the, the biggest stars in AAA right now. Exactly. He's, he
3: Basically, he's our flagship. Yeah. And he's getting there. But still, a lot of people sometimes love him, hate him. But, well, imagine my surprise when he comes here. He's not wearing his mask. But I recognize him for the tattoos and body belt and all that. And... I have to do the tour with the guy. And I'm talking to him, and I'm like, dude, I'm a big fan of your dad and your uncles. I mean, Brazo de Plata's mm, dad. One of
1: my favorites ever, Brazo de Plata.
3: But, I mean, they were like the, Super Porky for ex- some playing a- at
1: home. Exactly. <laughs> so,
3: imagine that, speaking with one of, the, one of the sons of Porky and one of the, the flagship of uh, AAA. Mm. So, to me, it was like, whoa. It was incredible because the guy was really humble, really nice, and uh, he was really happy. We have one of his original masks. And he actually testified. He's, is that
1: the one in the, the far Yeah. Yeah. He, he
3: told us it's one of the first five masks. He actually painted that. Nobody wow. else worked on it. He acquired a Gene Simmons mask, plastic mask, and he did the paint. So imagine that. He, <laughs> and I actually got into the display, pulled it out, and he confirmed it, and he actually signed it. So wow. to us, and then there's uh, the, the glove of his father is in the next display. Mm-hmm. He sat down. He's like, dude, take a picture of so I can send it to my dad. And I took the picture. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he, he told him. But, I mean, to, to us as a museum, so people, cool. yeah, I mean, that day alone, it was uh, Niño Burguesa was here,
1: mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Uh, Psycho Clown, and Joe Lider. Oh, wow. Extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that ga- that character, I met him about 14 years ago. Usually what happens is, when the lucha from out of town goes to any visiting town, the local guy is their tour
1: guide.
3: Mm. I- I'm assuming that happens also in the States. Yeah, yeah. All right, so... All
1: over Japan, even Australia. I've I've driven many a wrestler around in my day. Okay, so,
3: so the, it, it applies the same. Yeah. When Joe Leaders, he's from Guadalajara, when they started to bring him over, we clicked and we became friends, but just friends, normal, basic, not like buddy-buddy, right? Yeah. And he was very... At the time, he, his character was really serious, really crazy. This one time, it was him and three other guys. I don't remember what their names were, but it was... He asked me on the, the download, you know what, I need to get some stuff for my family, but you know how these guys get attitudes because the luchador is always single regardless of, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm um, helping him get uh, Christmas presents for his kids. We disappear for an hour and change. Um, disappearing, unfortunately, uh, even though both of us are guys, happily married, uh, people think different things. Right. And they started to give a shit about, hey, why did you guys disappear? And we were acting slightly <laughs> suspicious, so they started to give a shit. Right. He looks at them, and everybody starts, like, really serious. And um, jokingly, we, because we, we actually had more time to talk, we actually noticed we had a lot of things in common, and we started to joke. So we started to joke, and people look at us, and, uh, and they look at us really funny. And, and, and I remember answering, I'm the guy. It doesn't matter I'm the guy. And he actually... <laughs> Where he's my husband, and I'm his husband. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: The funny part to me is, 14 years later, hmm. I see him in the show. I'm with my wife. And I tell him. I tell him my wife. That's my husband. No, no, that, that, <laughs> no. Here's the thing. That's my husband. But it's been a while since I've talked to him. So I would like to go say hi. I'm not sure if he might recognize me or not. It was a good eight years that we never spoke. Wow. He did his thing. I did my thing. I see him. I, I'm walking a good, I don't know, let's say... 20 feet away or more, Mm -hmm. and he sees me and he's like (laughs) viejo, like hubby. That's great. And to me, I was like walking like really confident, really happy. I (laughs) say hi. I introduce wife, my hubby, hubby, my wife. He's like, (laughs) socia, partner. (laughs) And to me, it's something that he came to the museum. And as soon as he saw me, I'm like, I've been wanting to come. But, you know, sometimes the flights, they're tired, hungry. And then they have to fight and they fly again. So I I understood that Aluchador's time is really, really precious. And people sometimes don't know that, that Mm they get sick. They sometimes don't sleep well. And they have to do a show.
1: Yeah, I have quite a few wrestler friends myself. And uh, trying to catch them when they're in town, when I'm in town and they're in town. So many things going on. It's it's, it's tough to line that up sometimes.
3: And because I know that, that's why I appreciate when they have the time to come visit the museum... And then we actually have, get the opportunity to talk and reminisce or just meet the guy. And knew, mm. like, Psycho Clown, as I said, the opportunity to speak about his father, his cousins, his uncles. Mm. And to, for us to confirm the piece we have, the mask we have, was one of his first five. Not 10, not 20, the first five masks he wore. Amazing. He couldn't say which one because he said he bought five masks and he actually worked all of them the same. So, but to us, imagine, you got a piece of history there. So we are really, really excited, and hopefully everybody has the opportunity to come to Tijuana.
1: I would recommend it so highly. This has been uh, such a, a highlight of my entire trip to, uh, to the USA, and, and I'm so happy I came down here today. Uh, I, to finish up, I did want to ask, to, to me, the, the piece de resistance mm-hmm. of this collection, the hair. Oh. So, to me, uh, you know, mask versus hair, or, or hair versus hair, or mask versus mask, you know, it says that they are the big special matches yeah. in the history of Lucha Libre. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a wall. Mm-hmm. You have a wall, and you have a hundred,
3: 142 sets of hair, yes.
1: From some of the most famous it's matches in, in the history of Lucha Libre. I I, I so excited when I saw Perro Aguayo and San Grecia my gosh,
3: he, so he, many. No, Jake, he, she, Jake
1: the Snake and, uh, and Conan. Yeah.
3: Oh. But here's the here's best part to that story. The, the hair. It's like, okay, you you have your fan, your family, your friends that you love. Obviously, they know this, right? Same here. But this person, the, the owner of that set collection, he actually, all of those hairs, he acquired by himself. Like, he actually went, saw the match, and the guy's cleaning, sweeping the dirt <laughs> in the hair. And he's like, may I? Sure. He grabbed and he put it in the little uh, plastic bag. He stored it. So when the, the um, museum started to work, he's like, uh, the owner of the, um, the owner of the collection, Mauricio, is um, his friend Raul is like, the owner of the uh, hair collection. He's like, would you lend me your collection? He's like, sure. So we had to think, because the hair is in little plastic and it's, well... Some of it was was dirty. Some of it was bloodied. What do you do with the hair? You can't wash it. Yeah. So we had to look up information on how to restore and do <laughs> chemical stuff, if you will, to the hair. So we preserve it exactly and clean it mainly, yeah. and how to display it. The architect of the project is a baseball fanatic. So he saw. He said, "How about we use a plastic clear bag a box for a baseball signature bag, baseball?" Yeah. I'm a collector, but I have trading cards, so I'm, I thought it's a good idea, but the the baseball box is too big, and if you saw the collection, some of the hair is not too much. It's going to seem like too much of a box for the small hair. Some so. of them,
1: there's a lot. I saw Jack Evans' hair, and there was a lot in that uh, one. But big I lock, Just like one lock.
3: So, again, me being a collector of trading cards, I thought um, boxes for cards, 10, 25, 50. So that kind of worked for us, and then we had to, we had to put the hair in, Seal the box because that's another thing. What if, uh, I mean, God forbid, but something happens, the display gets dropped or whatever, hair is going to be messed up all around. So, what, yeah. what we did is How would
1: you know what's what?
3: And, what? and that's another thing. We decided on, at first, it was the box, name, and information, but it's like, no, because people may, may want to read who's here and there. So, it took us a while, but we figured out an idea. I think it works. Yeah. And when we opened the museum, we had at the time 119 hairs or display 119 pairs. And we as we mentioned every 2 years the, the idea is to make some changes. So for our second anniversary, that week it was hardest. Wow. I mean I don't want to cuss or anything, but <laughs> it was hard because we we closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Monday is our day off and we had to set up 10 different displays and change an ad. and that in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because we opened Friday. Mm. And that was our opening week our uh, anniversary weekend. so imagine we were hauling, and that's another thing, as I told you, I don't, know, I don't know if I told you or one of your friends, there's only the cleaning lady, the guard, the owner, and myself.
1: Wow.
3: So there's not a lot of staff. That's and
1: amazing.
3: And to add a little bit more, uh, a degree of, of difficulty, if you will. Yeah. So imagine, basically, the owner of the collection and myself and the cleaning lady were the ones hauling us and trying to set up everything, and we actually changed 50 masks. We changed 10 displays. And every everything was done by Friday morning that we opened. Wow. So it's a satisfaction, and uh, the, I think we accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. And the visitors, honestly, I, sometimes I've been dog ass tired doing my work, but I love it. But seeing th- that the fans or people that visit and know and, and leave the place f- so happy makes it up, makes everything worth it, honestly. That's so cool. And the best part is, I have my lovely wife that always is supported. My kids also have been here. My son, nine years old, and well, when we were working at the museum, it was, so he was seven years old. He was inside of this place with me, uh-huh. setting up some of the stuff. And I told my son, I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to do something together. And mm. it's something people will never know. Yeah. And that's a memory that you guys will always share. Exactly. So, again, thank you for the opportunity. It's beautiful. I hope people get... If they come to the San Diego, Tijuana area, hope they visit Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 to six. My name is Aurel, and it's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, hey, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. We'll uh, we'll give out the details of the the museum um, on our, our page, and thank you so much. Uh, I cannot tell you guys out there in uh, podcast land how special it feels to be in here right about now. <laughs> thank you so much. No problem. All right. Uh, so, thanks, thanks, Chris, for that sweet interview. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is fun. Uh, to be real with our listeners right now, it's like it's what like two and a half weeks since we last recorded for this same podcast. Oh goodness, I don't know. I'm not good at dates, but uh, yeah, it's it's like we're just seamlessly picking up from <laughs> the continued coverage from the car and then from the interview in uh in TJ. Uh, yeah,
2: the podcast will take place in. Mexico. Or yeah, Mexico. Did we record in Mexico? No, post Mexico.
1: Uh, so, yeah, well, have yeah, I mean, we did record the, the, record the interview with the dude at the, uh, the Lucha Museum. There you go. Yeah.
2: So, portions of this are going to be recorded in Mexico, portions are going to be recorded in California, and a portion of it will be recorded in both Australia and Washington simultaneously.
1: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. So worldwide. We truly are yeah. the international shit show of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> say it in the most loving way possible you know yeah of course uh but yeah we're we're fresh in in theory we're we're fresh out of uh night three of uh of bola so uh we're intending to to keep our uh our discussion of uh the the battle of los angeles weekend 2019 uh done done for you guys and then we yeah we've got some other stuff to to chat about as well with the fucking two weeks that have gone past how you doing yeah.
3: man?
1: not bad not bad
2: at all right now as i speak i have a beer in my left hand and i have a dog biting my right hand so I, i'm having a great time
1: it's that, good. that sounds he like a significant go. step up from yesterday with all of the fucking bullshit that was going down with your um your your moving situation
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really want to get into it because no one is interested in that shit at all, but (laughs) luckily I'm having a much better day
1: today. Yeah, and the dog,
2: his teeth are much more painful. Stop it! Stop it! (laughs)
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. How are you Um, doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fresh back from the the markets where I had a tasty market uh, breakfast uh, with the dogs. Uh I, I saw a lot of movies on Friday cuz it's our um our Brisbane International Film Festival's on at the moment, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh so Ooh. I finally for the first time ever got to see Apocalypse Now. Have you have you ever seen Apocalypse Now?
2: You know what? I I'm, I'm sure my dad was, you know, he's from that generation and watched mm-hmm. all kinds of old school movies. So I'm sure at one point in time I was in the room while it was on, but I've never sat down and paid attention, no.
1: Right. Well, I would, I would definitely recommend, and perhaps there's been no better time with this most recent final cut that's come out, because apparently, initially, the first version that came out, they just cut down for time as much as they could and got rid of as much of the wacky experimental shit as they could, just for general, you know, good reception, and then they did a Redux version, like I want to say, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, which I have a DVD of that's just the fucking longest version ever. It goes like three and a half hours or more. Um, where perhaps there was maybe some unnecessary stuff that was, um, left in for the completest kind of deal. But then, uh, this most sure. recent version is the one that, uh, Francis Ford Coppola said is his, his favorite version because it, it maintains the integrity of it. It keeps all of this, the real wacky shit in there and it get, has the best flow while getting rid of stuff. that's probably not necessary. And it clocks in at a tasty, uh, three hours and five minutes. So, Oh, good yeah. Lord. <laughs> but yeah, fuck man. I, I, I think it may be, uh, up there with my, my favorite films of all time. It is definitely in the conversation with citizen Kane and, uh, the, the first Godfather movie for me at least
2: uh, I've seen I like I said I've seen a little bit but I if I'm correct it's the movie about is it either Vietnam or Korea and they go down the river and they end up yeah, Vietnam, meeting yep. up with Marlon Brando mhm mhm and Marlon, yeah, he's gone, like, crazy and he's, like, leading a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds badass. Like, it sounds like everything anybody would want to enjoy. I have just no attention span for anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I went on a, on a whim. I mean, I've always wanted to watch the movie, but I wanted to save it, like, for the first time of seeing it properly, you know? Like, you don't want to go into a three-hour-plus movie not in the right mindset, you know? Uh, and, and this was, like, actually screening in a, in a cinema um, as part of this film festival so I'm, and it was the last time they're actually playing it in Brisbane on the, the big screen so I'm like fuck I guess I have to go um yeah. and yeah my buddy David was like yeah fucking why not he just happened to be nearby and then we 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 went to it together had this great intro by um Baz Luhrmann who um oh sweet I think it was like his official selection for the film festival so yeah old uh, Bazo had some some great little um tidbits of, of why he loves the movie so much. And then we got like a, a following introduction from um, Francis Ford Coppola himself. I mean, not in person, on the screen, but it was still, <laughs> still very cool. Uh, and then, yeah, we saw a, um, a great Australian film featuring uh, Hugo Weaving uh, later on that night where we had a, a live uh, director Q&A after it. So, yeah, very fun. Good times. It's good a big times. day of culture. Uh, also, and then on Saturday, I, uh, I watched the, um, the Friday night, uh, CMLL Arena Mexico show. Cause I thought it was just quite, um, current, uh, with all the craziness that's going on in CMLL. Before we go into the final night of PWG, have, have you kept abreast of the, the madness of, uh, CMLL at the moment in the news?
2: Only the most recent or only the two firings I heard about were, uh, or Departures were Rush and Dragon Lee. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, right. Were well, there
2: further pop-off since then?
1: A little bit. So, I mean, all this has come from, I guess, the, the big change was the, the death of of Paco Alonso, who was, like, the, the um, Luderoth family member who, the, you know, CMLL's been in their family for, like, uh, three generations since, like, the, the 40s. Um, and so he... He oh, he never got enough credit. Like, if anything, people would criticize him because they're like, oh, CMLL, it's not adapting for the future and blah, 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 and Paco doesn't care. And But, you know, they've been a fucking really successful company for, like, 70-odd years. Yeah. <laughs> so they're doing something right, and they, like, generally draw, on average, around about 6,000 people, like, every Friday night in the same building. And they draw, like, 3,000 in that building on uh, Tuesdays. And they have other shows through the week. So, I mean, I can't think of any wrestling promotion in the fucking world that could hit the same arena and draw, like, 6,000 people on average there every week. That's that's impressive as hell to me.
2: No, 100%. Yeah. And actually, the stuff that we watched the other day was actually pretty cool. I, entered, I uh... Yeah, so we I watched the, so the big anniversary all the show. Stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, anyway, Paco dies um, and then it's like his daughter Sofia Alonso was kind of like taking the, the reins um, and then there's sort of like a thing where maybe she wasn't ready and then the uh, uncle um, or I guess Paco's brother, Chavo is sort of like running the day-to-day more of it now and apparently there's some like disagreement and stuff and Chavo's cutting people's pay a little bit and you know, all of those things that the everyone hates on promoters for doing but I guess business is business, but yeah. So all this happens, um, and uh, immediately following the show that we watch, the anniversary show, uh, we we get the news of the release of um, Roosh and his brother Dragon Lee. Uh, so I thought it'd be really timely for us to to watch this show, um, and and like you said, you you haven't seen too much CML right? Tell tell me just your all of your kind of like first thoughts of the feeling of it and, and wackiness and everything
2: uh first thing i actually like the presentation it does seem kind of a little cartoony and a lot of bright colors as far as like the mat the canvas and the ring ropes and everything but i really like the camera work man like a lot of cool interesting angles there was one time where the guy uh was on one side of the ring and actually did a full pan around the turnbuckle To the other side like normally they would just do a cut shot from one camera to another they wouldn't actually show you going around the turnbuckle but yeah it was a great interesting shot of I think somebody was doing a submission in the middle of the ring so it was just a great look as he went around and just saw the whole angle of it. Mm. I, you just never see that in American yeah, wrestling.
1: I, I think they're filming super underrated. Like to me, uh, yeah. looking at like a, a sold out or close to sold out arena, Mexico is like one of the coolest buildings in wrestling full stop. And um, they, they really capture that impressiveness of it. Like, I feel like the way they film it, like that 15,000 fans in Arena, Mexico looks more impressive than like the friggin', you know, 70, odd fans that WWE gets for WrestleMania in terms of the way it's filmed, you know?
2: Yeah. And then the other thing, the audio. I didn't, it, the fans actually sound too muffled. Like, it sounded like they were inside of a a can or something i maybe, <laughs> well that you you know know I mean? improved like,
1: that significantly because back when i started watching cmll this has probably gone back like 2004 ish um mm-hmm. like the the crowd was like so quiet like it's like they probably had it on 10 percent volume <laughs> so it's like occasionally yeah. if there was an insane pop you'd sort of hear the crowd a little bit but most of the time it's just that extremely loud spanish commentary just like yelling yeah. and that's all you hear even when there's <laughs> yeah. like bumps you wouldn't even hear the bumps in the ring <laughs> so oh, no, 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 no,
2: yeah so just, yeah
1: to me no, the no, audio guys. compared to then is like a fucking treat but yeah i mean i could, <laughs> <laughs> could probably turn that that crowd up a little bit because uh arena mexico fans are like crazy passionate that i love the the fucking air horns and shit That's great yeah
2: yeah but exactly by these by the opposite of not being able to hear them, they did a lot of crowd shots. <laughs> like
1: they do, cut to the crowd a lot. He, better seen, not heard. Apparently, I love how many enormous beers you see in the crowd shots as well. <laughs> like everyone's drunk yeah. off their ass. <laughs> everyone's
2: having a good. Yeah, you can tell everyone's having a fucking great time.
1: Reminds me a bit of PWG in that way. Yeah. Um. So the, the did you where did you start? What was the first match you watched on it?
2: I actually watched, I watched some of the Micros match because it was so ridiculous how tiny these little motherfuckers were. It was
1: so impressive. I didn't realize there
2: was a whole different division called the Micros the fr- under the Minis. Yeah. And, yeah, and this was a momentous
1: match. occasion. This was the first, uh, first ever a Puestas match, which is like a, a mask versus mask or mask versus hair um, in the, the Minis division history. So it was a really big deal. And I, I think I enjoyed it the most out of any match on the whole show. I, I loved that match so much. We had uh, Microman, uh, who uh, is just so incredible. Like, the crowd loves him. I love him. I was watching it with my friend Mitch, who was like, oh, you're going to make me watch fucking wrestling again? And he's just, like, not interested at all. And then he's like, whoa, hang on. What's going on here? And he <laughs> he loved this match. And that bit That's where, great. did you see Microman jumped off of the stage?
2: Fuck. Uh, I'm sure I did, but I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I'm like, that is so tall for a man of his stature. That's like ten
2: of him. They're bold, man. There's, the micro or Any of the mini guys always impress the shit out of me. Cause, especially when the ones who don't necessarily have the... Uh, like their body shape is a little bit augmented because of what's mm-hmm. going on. And the, the fact that those guys can still move like fucking crazy, it's amazing.
1: Dude, apparently like the micros like a uh, micro man specifically, uh initially was told he's like too small and his body type and whatever would be too delicate, like he couldn't actually be uh Up. part of their their um you know smaller dude's division at all, but then he like fought for it, and originally he was going to be the new caimanito, apparently Because Caminito, little blue monkey dude's getting a bit old these days. Uh but yeah, then the Ultimo Guerrero was like, You guys want it? All right, well I'll train you up and we'll see how you go and then yeah, he's just been healing <laughs> be awesome. it. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was like I, I got just so excited for the the groundbreakingness of it and just how well they did, and, yeah, I, I thought it I was I just, awesome.
2: just imagine, like, being, like, the wrestling guy. It's like this tiny little guy, like, nah, man, I fucking want to wrestle. It's like, sorry, yeah. bro, you can't do it. Like, no, bro, I, you're you going to
1: train me on a fucking wrestle. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to wear the fucking blue monkey suit, man. I want to wrestle. Yeah, well yeah, that's so intense. <laughs> like fucking hey, bro. Okay, let's do this shit. And he's been killing it ever since. I I uh, loved it. Um, yeah. Then we had the. What do you think of the next match? I thought the next match was awesome as well. The the um, Is that the trios one. Yeah, trios title match. I believe it was with the uh, the Dinamita brothers of Cuatrero, uh, Forestero, and Sanson, who were like the the, the new generation Dinamitas. It's like back when I was watching. Those the, guys the, the all the black originals. and white. Yep, yep, yep. Um and they were against uh what we have we had the Mystico or the the current version of Mystico. We had um Caristico who is the OG Mystico and then we had Valiente um who I think is just incredible and I I loved this match. I thought it was like just absolutely perfect. What did you think?
2: I well, I I had I enjoyed it. I, I had a hard time following the story because it's just a bunch of crazy spots and guys getting their shit in. Uh, but I do fucking love that one weird monkey flip combination.
1: Like, uh, oh, how it's impressive like a was that? Pad spot yeah.
2: move. I do Yeah, where he like does like a
1: monkey flip to his own partner and then just yeah. gets so much You're air into and, a
2: cannonball.
1: Yeah, just like the most badass cannonball to the other dude in the corner I've ever seen.
2: I think uh, the Ugly Ducklings do
1: something similar, but
2: I think he like uses his feet, like it launches them off. You know the three Ugly Ducklings. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, from like Black Label and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, yeah. So I was a big fan of this match. I I really enjoy the two out of three falls nature of the CMLL matches. Like. I remember, like, Conan used to be like, oh, dude, that sucks that they still do that. It's so old. You know, no one wants to see two out of three falls anymore. You should bring it up to date with American wrestling and do one fall, which is why in uh, AAA they just only do one fall matches to be, like, more modern or whatever. But I, I just love the flow of the two out of three falls where you have the baby faces generally get like the first win, which is kind of like the shine. And then the heels will get like the second fall win, which is the heat of the match. And then you go into the third and the third fall is pretty much the, just the, the finishing sequence. I love it. You know what?
2: Uh, I can go either way. I think the only thing that becomes cliche about the three falls is that it usually goes that way. I think that's why people get disappointed. Like, they assume it's going to go that way. But if you're just into it for a fun story time, then who cares? Like, what,
1: what the mm. fuck? I mean, you can change it up. Obviously, sometimes you see the heels get the first win and then the babyface will get the second win and then you go into that. Or, or occasionally, you'll even see, like, two falls straight. So it's not yeah, like I mean. they do I... the exact same story over time. But I, I, I like it. To me, the whole reason I like CMLL, really, is because it's like it feels like authentic Lucha Libre. Like you get the awesome, like wacky Yave style, like mat Rest thing at like the start of the fall and then just like the the classic Rudo beatdowns and the just some of the best flyers in the business full stop today. Um like even like Valiente, you look at his body type. He looks like a fucking stocky power lifter. And then some of the crazy dives and shit that he was pulling off in this match were just impressive as all hell and he's got to be like that's in his exactly late 30s. what i
2: want to say to you that the guy is thick as fuck He even he's you know uh ricky banderas that guy is a <laughs> fucking thick motherfucker this guy was even bigger than that dude and he's yeah. doing crazy lucha spots yeah they're really impressive
1: yeah i think like valiente was one of my first favorites when i started watching cmll so that shows you like how long he's been doing it at such a high level and he's still kicking ass off. i love it um and then yeah the the main event <laughs> that i know you got a bit of a, a kick out of please explain this to our listeners at home okay so
2: <laughs> we have a cage match where the guys come in periodically but at the same time the point of the match is to get out like the, <laughs> you come down and then you have to escape <laughs> and the other guy and whoever's the last two people in are fighting and then the last person loses their hair. Right? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the? <fuck? laughs>
1: it's amazing. Yeah. So this this particular kind of match has quite a bit of history in uh, Arena Mexico. They used to do it for like the year end show, and they called it like uh, the the Cage of Hell or, or whatever. Um, and then yeah, this this year they there was a bit of criticism because initially it was built up like it was meant to be Cibernético on Ultimo Guerrero they've been building up this feud that was going to be the main event and people were like wow Cibernético is not a very good wrestler so this is going to be the worst main event in <laughs> anniversary show history <laughs> i to me um, i i think Cibernético is a bit better than people give him credit to credit for but i on honestly probably not the, the best in the world, when I first saw him in Triple A, I, I thought he's like, okay, so this guy's Mexican Batista, basically. So that, that's kind <laughs> of like what we're looking at here. But uh, so then they were like, had a bunch of other hair versus hair challenges as well through the other feuds. That is great, like little um, hype video before the match that kind of explained it a little bit. And then so I guess the decision was made: hey, we can't have like six different hair versus hair matches on this show. Let's just chuck all these fuckers in a cage and make it one match. That's fucking amazing! (laughs) It's brilliant booking. Like,
2: imagine the solution. Somebody who says, "Why don't we just do it all at once?" The other guy's like, "Fuck you!" Hey, wait a minute!
1: (laughs) Genius. Yeah, I, I did read from um Cubs fan over at the uh Lucha Lucha blog, um that. Perhaps one of the reasons that Ultimo Guerrero and um, Cibernetico, or I should, I should say his current name, since he left AAA, he is not allowed to be called Cibernetico. He is now Ciba the main man which may be the worst name in professional wrestling history.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking kidding me.
1: <laughs> nope, that is it.
2: Siva the main man.
1: Siva the main man. Oh, oh the, it gets better. Um, so they had, you remember Charlie Manson in AAA back in the day who just did like yeah. a, a Marilyn Manson gimmick? He had to, um, he, he changed his name. Get this, Charlie Rockstar is his new name <laughs> okay <laughs> charlie rockstar <laughs> and the other oh, one charlie rockstar the other one who's part of their little little group of former AAA a guys uh was uh i think it zeus do you remember zeus wait no not zorro zorro that's it from um, oh yeah from AAA. a he is now the chris Please explain that one to me. I don't know what. What? <laughs> yeah, you, the Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Okay. So sorry. I got a little. Those massage. are the worst names, <laughs> <laughs> right? And um, those all
2: they all run together.
1: Yeah. 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 They. They. Um. The. Oh, and their their faction name is probably ter- quite terrible as well. Get this. Uh. They they're called Clan Chaos with two k's
2: oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i think that the clan may have a four in it instead of the a oh i have seen that logo yeah 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 you're yeah, right. yeah yeah <laughs> anyway so apparently C oh, so the there's main... gotta be
2: a, is there a fourth guy
1: uh maybe i don't know i i I, th- I think Gilbert Albariqua, like the um, dude you just said, Ricky Banderas or Messias, He okay. he's sort of was teaming with him a bit, but I don't know if he's like actually part of the crew or not. Um, but yeah, he was another you know former AAA guy that's sort of similar deal. But um, so yeah, apparently Seba the main man and Ultimo Guerrero, Cubs fans said that uh, uh, no one could decide who was going to lose the hair because neither of them wanted to lose the hair to the other one. So perhaps that is why... We got the cage match.
3: Oh,
2: well, it was fun. Yeah, it was mm. really fucking silly and ridiculous. And at first, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And once <laughs> I realized bit. I was, I popped so hard when I realized <laughs> what was going on. I'm like, oh my God, this is the match.
1: You know, my favorite <laughs> okay. bit? The, um, so when they first get into the ring, they can't just climb out straight away. So we have a, a timer where I think there's like five minutes. Uh, where where the guys, (laughs) i pop for this big, where everyone's still trying (laughs) to climb out, but the referee's are like, no, no, you can't climb out yet. The timer's not up. Like these guys are in fucking... You're not obeying the rules. Yeah, dozens of these matches, yet they're like, well, fuck it, I might as well try. (laughs) But this timer, let me talk about this fucking timer. This timer was enormous, took up about a third (laughs) of the screen, and it (laughs) it was ridiculous. It was making me seasick. (laughs) that added more to what the fuck
2: is going on for me. I was like, why is this clock so big? Like, why does the people in the home audience need to know so bad what time is going on?
1: Yeah, it was big and it was super aggressive because it would like, I don't know if it was like center aligned or something. Um, but it was like, it had sort of move as it counted down. Like it had kind of like wobble. (laughs) I I got to the point where I had to like close one eye and like hold part of my hand over the screen. (laughs) oh but uh vertigo from the damn cml clock yep yep but then the the timer expired and then yeah the the escapes were like fast and furious hey you used to like the escapes kind of being built up in these matches to be like kind of almost like a he tries to get out and then he doesn't and then the guy the guy it's a big convoluted thing no a lot of these ones are like fucking see ya and then they just escape My favorite was I mean, Volador. It, like,
2: it always made some more sense. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, that's how it would work. People were like, shit, I got to get the fuck out of here.
1: Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to lose my hair. Jeez. Yeah. My my favorite was um, uh, Volador, uh, Volador Jr.'s escape. Uh, so he had like him and the other guy doing a beat down on the other dude. And he's like, I'm going to climb to the top and jump on him. Okay. Hold him still. And he climbs to <laughs> the top ready to jump. He's like, fucking bye. <laughs> and just escapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's so good because there's so many times in cage matches in the history of wrestling where the dudes goes up to the fucking top and goes for the dive, and you're like, "Why the fuck didn't you just climb out? You had the perfect opportunity." He did it. They got they got to
2: pop the crowd. This guy's like, "Fuck this! I'm trying to win."
1: Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, and any other thoughts of like favorite bits or anyone you thought looked good in there? Or
2: Honestly just the whole time I was just. Cracking up. I was uh, also my brain was all fucking flustered from the shit that was going on while I was watching it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I, I was I was saddened at the end. The guy did not appear to be very happy to get his hair cut.
1: Yeah. So we'd got down to the final two of Ultimo Guerrero and the man that has probably lost his hair more than anyone in the history of CMLL, Negro Casas. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, one of the greatest legends in CMLL. You know, like uh, Nego Casas has been fucking amazing for so long. And he's still awesome, like, despite being, what would you say, late 50s, mid 50s, yeah, somewhere around probably. there. He's in yeah. great shape. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it once it got down to just him and Ultimo Guerrero. How, how about that fucking pop when he went for the casita the pin? Dude, I don't remember it. I, honestly. So, like the, the, the Mahi stroll type of gimmick, and, and that's like oh. his sort of signature move. And then Ultimo yeah, Guerrero yeah. kicked out, and the crowd just like fucking went nuts. It was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, Ultimo Guerrero eventually uh, got the the big win. He even gave like uh, Negro Casas at like his age a fucking second rope power bomb. So that was pretty. Yeah, nuts. that was gnarly. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the the finish was the big uh, Guerrero special, the reverse uh, superplex off the off the top. And uh, he got the one, two, three. And, yeah, uh, Negra Casas, yet again, lost his hair. At this point, I, I think know. it's just like his summer trim. <laughs> you know? Like... Yeah, he, he just <laughs> has it happen. Yeah. And I was
2: planning on cutting my hair anyway. We might as well book it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming some money
2: off this shit.
1: I'm assuming he doesn't require the biggest payoff in the history of the world to lose his hair at this point. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, like a couple hundred bucks, it will be fine.
2: Or he still does, but he, like, you know, he plans to do it anyway, so he figured might as well, man.
1: Yeah. $600,000. <laughs> got, got, got a car repayment. Got stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> wigs but, aren't cheap. I'm still embarrassed about having short hair. I wear wigs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, no, overall, I uh, I really enjoyed this show, and I was, like, quite surprised. There was a lot of negative um feedback on it, on the uh, Twitter and stuff. I guess from people wanting maybe something a little bit more unique or more like big super matches or spot fest kind of stuff. I I just yeah. thought it was like a really solid, fun show. You know, I don't think it's like anything that's like absolutely must-see greatest Arena Mexico uh, anniversary show of all time. Like I had nothing on like, you know, Ultimo Guerrero against Atlantis or Atlantis and La Sombra or any of those sort of like classic um one on one of matches, but like for what it was, I thought it was fun as shit and I enjoyed the show. I did as well. And actually
2: before we move on, mm-hmm. I, I want to touch base on one of the uh triple shows that I watched while we were in Tijuana. Uh I think Ooh. it was
1: their main
2: was that Triple Mania that we wa or I watched with fucking uh Dr. Wagner and Blue Demon?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a hammer. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the part <laughs> I thought was hilarious is during the entrance before dr wagner's music was done blue demon and his crew started coming out (laughs) like before he was even done entering like the guy was still in the rampway, and blue demon just started coming
1: out it it was fucking great did they show the awesome bit where like they had them on uh, opposing like elevated cranes doing like a face-off before the actual entry i thought that was amazing it's like i don't (laughs) understand this but I think every big heated feud, people should have to do a face-off on cranes.
2: I'm one that believes that wrestling could not, you know, have enough ridiculous shit. Like, <laughs> have people in gigantic thrones. Have people in cranes. <laughs> the wall should be on the top of a building and Hulk Hogan is yelling at him from miles away. It's like, that shit <laughs> is what
1: wrestling's all about. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match a lot. But it was pretty cool. Like, the, when you're actually in Tijuana in the hotel room, just randomly on TV, this fucking this <laughs> matches on. What are, what are the odds on that? Yeah, I was like, I'm chilling
2: in Tijuana watching Lucha Libre. I am, this is living.
1: Yeah, yeah. In a, a really nice hotel room in a, a, a really <laughs> nice hotel. Oh, my goodness. Did
2: you listen back at
1: all to uh, me talking in the car? I have not.
2: Okay, I just don't remember. I just remember rambling for a very long time. Yeah, I didn't mention any of our friends down there. It was cool hanging
1: out with John and his pal Juan. <laughs> oh, Juan got up to some some trouble. Hey, he's he's a Monsieur. wild cat.
2: Yeah, we can't keep up with Juan. <laughs> we Even we really.
1: A... I hope one of these days we're going to get Juan on this show and we can hear a little bit about his exploits. I feel like that'd be fun. Indeed. <laughs> well, maybe we can at least get John to tell us about Juan, because I hear John's good friends with, with Juan.
2: Close personal friend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, the, when we were recording, the big thing I remember is the, the impending doom that I was feeling of, like, how close this was going to be for us to get to the actual show on time. With us, like, yeah, like, hauling ass back from Tijuana to try to make it to the final night of Bowler without missing the first match.
2: And John actually at one point fucked up with the directions and went on the wrong way. I think he said it was faster. I hope it really was. It'd be weird that the wrong way ended up being faster, but hey, it worked out.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't even know that. I was I was the one that felt guilty on that one. I thought it was my fault because you you were the one that was like, guys, I don't think we should stop at this Ballast Point Brewery. Like This is going to be pretty tight. And then John and I are like, no, let's fucking do it. it was yeah, but when we ended up fight. going
2: on the road, he 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 missed our or he went on an exit we didn't need to at one point because the fucking traffic. He was was you know he was busy doing his thing trying to take care of shit for us and he missed one road. We ended up getting there because I think because of our plans changed it probably did become. A, a quicker way to go and worked out in the long run but yeah guys i thought literally it was a we...
1: strategic shortcut but yeah it, it worked out perfectly like it could no, have no. worked out better he's like, hey. he's, like oh, he's like oh shit uh i went the
2: wrong way but hey guys look it, it's faster and i'm like all right sweet <laughs>
1: yeah we had we had someone the... watching out for us on our shoulder to get us to that show on time i was saying at the time it felt very much like uh like the hangover in getting to the yeah. the wedding <laughs>
2: <laughs> we like we literally booked a place to park the car while we we're going through traffic so that was pretty fucking awesome and uh we and it was like paid. a
1: block away from the venue that worked out uh, really well all worked out we literally sat down after smoking our joint
2: right as the show was beginning it was stupendous stupendous
1: yeah it it could not have worked out better uh so i was i was so happy with that and then yeah we we get to this I think there was more just relief to me when we were like there. It's like, I can't believe we're on here. We're on time. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rather than excitement that we're there for night three of Battle of Los Angeles. It's just relief. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dude. What were your memories of the show and your memories of how you personally felt through the show? Uh, I started off very
2: exhausted. I, mm-hmm. But super excited and kind of... Overheated because I didn't. I was running since we fucking got up. Basically walking through that line the entire time. My yeah. body was all worked up because I thought we were going to be late. Then we went to Ballast Point and chugged some beer and got back in the car. I thought we were going to be late, so I was on edge. The release, once the relief settled in, I started to enjoy the show more. But I was really <laughs> overheated at first. Yeah. Um, but, damn it, the dogs unplugged me again. One second. <laughs>
1: While, while Jeremy's unplugged, I wanted to uh, make sure to, uh, before we get to the, the, I mean, we're at the PWG bowler part, but I want to make sure to give crazy thanks to uh, John, who was just an incredible guide for our time in Tijuana. Um, yep. He prevented us from, I feel like, death uh, on, on several occasions, walking down the wrong Alleyways, or gone, or the you know, there's certain ways we could have walked that'd be like faster going to certain places, but he's like, You do not want to go that way. Um, and and I don't know if he
2: was right, but I'll assume he's right because he sounded very confident, like. Uh, he managed to be alive the whole time he's gone down there, so it mm-hmm. sounds pretty safe to say that he knows what he's talking about.
1: And he had some awesome recommendations on some, like we've said before, some of the best tacos I've ever had in my life, uh, they're the best cocktail that I think both of us have ever had in our life, that crazy good... I made someone
2: recreate it up here. How'd it go? It didn't, it didn't taste as good because they, they couldn't smoke it, but it was still a fucking uh, mezcal old-fashioned, and it was pretty fucking delicious.
1: Awesome yeah uh, that was that was amazing um just the the whole time but if anyone gets a chance to go to tijuana it, there's like so much more to it than um than what you you may think on on first uh perception but yeah have g- John take it hey that have John take it yeah. there, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should you should hit him up, and you can get a, a personal uh, tour guide. Oh, on multiple occasions, I kind of felt like it was an episode of, like, Anthony Bourdain, no reservations kind of deal. Where <laughs> 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 I'm, like, there with, like, the local expert, and it's like, all right, no one knows about this place, but this is where we have to go for this. This is where we have to go for that. And all like, that. This, this is fucking cool. So, yeah, I felt incredibly... This is the call me Puta well <laughs> <laughs> yeah people were so nice and yeah, it was just a great you're experience friendly. yeah but yeah big big time thanks to uh our roving mexican reporter who is not actually mexican john craft for just treating us to a, a great time in tijuana and i hope we get to do it again when we have a bit more time down there yep 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 yeah, but yeah back to the the show yeah i um i feel you on on when we got there just like big time tiredness but there's a point where the giddiness meets the tiredness and the excitement kind of overlaps it so you're like i did not know like i, I should be by all all uh, reasonable things dead at this point but i've just got this like excitement that's carrying me through so i feel like that carried me through like the first half of the show where i was just loving it but then it got maybe like halfway through the show and it got really hot and I was just, yeah. like, sweating. I had, like, beads of sweat. And then I think you, t- was it you that turned to me and were like, am I <laughs> just su- really yeah, hot right now, or?
2: <laughs> I actually thought my tattoo was fucking me up. I remember I'm like, am I, I think my tattoo's infected and I got a fever because I'm sweating so bad. And you're like, no, I'm, 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 I'm dying over here. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not literally dying.
1: Because that's a bit surprising in, like, a a nice venue as the Globe is with the air conditioning area. But I think, like, where we were, we were kind of seated on that that corner bend first couple row area where it's just a a mass of humanity. And uh, I don't think the um, air con could save us in that place. But, uh, dude, uh, I I remember, yeah, I got a bit faded during the big multi-man comedy tag. And then... Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. There were points of the main event where I'm like, "This is awesome. I should be enjoying it more than I am," but I was just a, a little bit dead. But then I, I did come back for the for the finish and, and ending and everything like that. So it was an awesome night, all in all. Hey,
2: hell yeah! It was. Uh, it was honestly, it wasn't the best bola I've ever seen, but it was one of the more fun times I've had overall as far as going to. The shows and then hanging out with you guys and going to Mexico and shit um I do want to touch base real quick on mm. um, Dave Meltzer's ratings of some of the matches <laughs> and I especially right. wanted to bring this up because <laughs> I pointed this out to you while it was going on you did Dave Meltzer was not paying attention to Orange Cassidy and, and David Starr and then gives it less than two stars I love you Dave but Come on, and he said, and he literally said, people were falling asleep on Twitter. He was falling asleep, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> eyes were closed, and he was yawning. Was he not, Chris?
1: He was looking a little bit, a little bit dad tired. Like if you can yeah. picture the the dad who's trying to stay awake watching the 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 movie like, when everyone's sitting down. He's
2: like, no, I'm not sleeping. No, you are sleeping.
1: Dad, go to bed. Come on, you're too tired for this movie. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just scrolling on the phone. <laughs> um, ridiculous. I do think there were points where we, you, you, on surface level, you'd think he was fucking around on his phone, where to me, knowing a little oh, bit about Dave, he was notes. taking notes, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was definitely, definitely was getting tired. Free. Yeah, and then it's like, and yeah, everyone was, was tired. <laughs> it was great. Yeah.
2: It was like, a. I love a good comedy match where they're like, it's telling a good story like they then they actually got into the shit and it was really similar to the match that we talked about before at beyond yeah but these people hadn't seen that shit exactly so it was great
1: and that's exactly yeah. what it should have been hey but you know my my favorite perhaps my favorite match of the entire weekend that dave totally snubbed hmm. the uh, uh the kids match oh yeah that was great what did he give it i forgot i missed that uh let me bring it up right now actually i've got it here And I mean,
2: again, Dave Meltzer, I I respect the shit out of him, but we don't necessarily have to always agree. He's watching wrestling matches, just like us.
1: I mean, I I hate to be the guy that's like, oh, I can't believe Dave did this rating, you know? Because, like, there's too many people that, and Dave will tell you himself. It's just that's his personal thoughts on the match. He doesn't think it's the be-all and end-all. It's other people that that give it that much... um, uh, Credence. Yeah, that much credence. But, yeah, to me, perhaps the best match of the entire weekend. Definitely the best match of the first show, A Kid versus Lucky Kid, that I thought was just such a, a fantastic breakout match. Crowd didn't really know either of them, but by the time that match ended they like loved fucking both guys. I thought it was like yeah, one of the best things. Dave gave it three and a half.
2: Yeah, but I I thought it was fucking dope. Uh I honestly there's a lot of things that kinda of disappointed me about the ratings, but it makes sense. Like I didn't like seeing the Gresham and Artie rating, but honestly, as much as I love Artie, that wasn't a fucking stellar match. It was mm. a pretty good passable match, but nothing where you're like, oh shit, did you see that shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't tell anybody they need to go back and watch that. And yeah. I love Artie. I
1: hate to say it, like, but he, he probably did have the, the least impressive debut of all of the guys that were having their big coming out party, right? Yeah, yeah. but then he came back in the 10-man and was yes.
2: fucking... All the show on that one spot, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I did like Dave properly put over how good Jeff Cobb and uh, Daisuke Sekimoto was. Like, I fucking love that match uh, so much. But I I think sometimes it's just certain, you know, people like certain flavors of wrestling over others. And Dave's is like your, your work rate spot fest that has like a, a good intensity to it is, I think, kind of his cup of tea really, but
2: anyway. Uh, Another match I have to celebrate is fucking Jeff
1: and uh,
2: Brody versus Gresham and Dice yeah. I think I talked about it before. Yeah,
1: yeah, Night 2. Damn, that was good. What a great match
2: overall. The comedy was stellar, and standout performance for Brody King. Actually, I put it over on Twitter and all of a sudden the dude followed me. Apparently the guy likes compliments. That's cool. Hey, dog, get down! The dog's in the cat bed right now. Hang on (laughs) a second. Dog, get the fuck down from there! Hudson, kick his ass! (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, Brody against Caveman Ugg as well, I thought was was really, really, really bloody good. Uh, I definitely think we'll see Caveman Ugg back in PWG.
2: Um, yeah, I think he'll be one of those guys that becomes, like, a standout for a while. Uh, if they can keep him... If, if he, it doesn't cost too much to get him over there. They, they did it with Jonah, like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then they did it with um, Brooksy. They did it with yeah. Robbie. Int- that's an interesting name. That I haven't heard pop up in a little while. Brooksy. What's going on there?
2: Yeah, what happened to Adam? Yeah.
1: He... I heard he was like, everyone was like talking about whether he was going to be signed by MLW, whether he was going to be signed by RLH. Um, He was up here for whack and then all of a sudden gone. Heard there was talk of him getting a WWE contract as well, which wouldn't surprise me. And uh, I don't know, maybe he's kind of in limbo from that, you know, how guys kind of like have to keep those, sometimes those signing news a bit close to their chest and he is waiting for medicals or something. I don't know. Oh, it would be a guy I'd love to see pop up in uh, All Elite Wrestling. I think he'd do great. We'll have to stay tuned.
2: Oh. All Elite Wrestling, huh? Mm. Pretty, pretty good show.
1: Yeah. Well, let, let's finish this. I wanted to lastly <laughs> bring... <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about this. Uh, but this was one that Dave really raved about on night three. How... Bloody good was uh, Bandito and Dragon Lee.
2: That eh, seemed better. No, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> was fucking amazing.
1: Probably, like, maybe the best lucha match I've ever seen in person, like live in my life. It was just one of those blow-away things where you're like, I feel lucky to be here right now.
2: That happens a lot of bull, Honestly, like yeah, at, you sit back after the match, you're like, wow, I. Only a select few got to experience this live in a person, and it's fucking amazing. Yep. Yeah, that that was a really great match.
1: Also, a special mention uh, also the quarter quarterfinals night three, that um, Gresham against A Kid match. I loved that too. Great technical um, match and, and work of over the knee of uh, Gresham on A Kid, and that the win where he just kept like ramming that knee into the mat over and over again till he tapped out i thought that was just a fantastic finish yeah that's
2: my kind of shit right
1: there yeah
2: um Um, i have a question for you yeah go what did you think uh did you think that the finals would actually end up shaking out the way it did like did you suspect those three guys or i mean i think everyone assumed bandito in the Mm -hmm. story they kind of set up for David Starr was clear it was going to be David Starr. But yep. did you think Gresham was going to be that third guy?
1: I didn't, but I couldn't have been more pleasantly surprised by it because I'm such a Gresham fan. And to me, he's a guy that belongs in the main event. Um, so I was really happy to see him get this spotlight. And especially after uh, we only like a couple of days prior watched that awesome David Starr-Gresham match from um, 200 and just showed how... Fucking incredible he was there. So I don't know if like that performance had something to do with the the composition of this match, but dude, I was so happy that that that, that was the 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 final. You know, such a fresh match too.
2: Mhm. And I I was so glad that my not so fresh shirt was my Jonathan Gresham shirt. So I got to <laughs> represent for him for the show.
1: Do you care to share with our listeners how long you're wearing that shirt? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh over 24 hours so that, i can definitely <laughs> say that by the end of it i was wearing it from uh around 8 a.m one day until i think around 11 o'clock the following day so yeah i didn't smell too bad did i you were right by no me. i was
1: i was amazed you were like dude i, I need to get a check like and I, was, you know, because cause we want to make sure none of us are that guy at a wrestling show. everyone's like, "Fuck me, I'm sitting next to this smelly fuck." So uh, yeah. yeah, you got me to give me give you the the check, and I was like, I am honestly flabbergasted that you do not smell worse than you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was I was, it blew my mind that that we went to Tijuana. John has his bag. I have my bag. Well, like, where's your bag? And you're like, I'm just going as I am. I'm like, fucking yeah. what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought we would be back in time. And just, you know, do a quick uh, change or whatever. But yeah, we, we ended up being stuck on the border longer than expected. So, yeah, yeah you know, you make two. You make two. I took a shower. I used Augusto. some of your deodorants.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Our, our nice shower <laughs> where we have to leave the, the um, room so the other other party can have a shower
2: oh lord yeah that was great
1: yeah so just to paint a picture we have our shower in this room and it's like a shower that's positioned immediately in front of the beds and there's (laughs) like a light switch in the shower so the rest of the room can be dark and yet the shower is illuminated i (laughs) guess we'll let our listeners um envision what that is designed for yeah (laughs) That was
2: funny. And, uh, and I just love it. that it was for the room with two beds too. Like,
1: yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like what? I'm trying to yeah picture the exact situation that they've yeah, got exactly. this set up for. It's yeah, like
2: we're, we're 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 a married couple who do not like to sleep in the same bed, but at the same time we might want to watch a hooker wash herself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How would you like to come up to our room and just have a shower? Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, that was, that was wild. Um, all right. So that's, that's pretty much our, our bowler coverage here. Uh, pretty well done, but you brought up something interesting just now, my friend, all elite wrestling. We had a little something that was slightly newsworthy happen this week, uh, in the, uh, the big debut of all elite wrestling on TNT. First time wrestling has been on TNT in near on twenty years. And it I it felt like a special moment. To me it felt like one of those like there's there's not all that often to where you're watching wrestling and you're like, this is a moment I feel like I'll remember till my dying day as a wrestling fan. But watching like Just the the open with, like, Tony Schiavone and uh, Jim Ross and Excalibur, and especially Tony, since he did, like, the sign-off of, like, the last episode of of WCW. Ah, just... I was so happy for so many reasons. Tell me about your your feelings and your thoughts on it.
2: Uh, I wanted to make sure I watched it when it was airing, because I did feel, like, similar. I felt like it was special that this shit was going down. Mm -hmm. And I actually ended up getting a a stream that was... uh, not i
1: don't know how it was aired because there was no commercials
2: which was kind of weird that was probably the (laughs) fight
1: one because that's the one that i um i i got the bought the fight membership because that's what we have to do in australia you pay five bucks a month and then you get uh, every episode live and without commercials which i thought was cool as fuck Um, yeah it was dope but at points i didn't realize
2: they were cutting the commercial because sometimes it did they didn't necessarily make it so obvious i was like Hmm. it was silent and i'm like why are these guys saying anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just my bad. I wasn't paying attention. But I thought it was fucking incredible. Um, I did laugh at one point. Apparently
1: you can watch it on the, the TNT app, I was told, being on your coast. If you have the TNT app, if you have that as TNT as part of your cable thing, you can actually watch it live rather than wait for the replay for the West Coast feed. Ooh,
2: that's probably feed is probably better, too. I'll give that a shot. Yeah. Um, but I love the part where Jim Ross and tony for a while like a few minutes well, not too long but they started reminiscent about wcw yeah and then all of a sudden the x caliber cut back in like
1: actually calling the match that was going on
2: <laughs> <laughs> not referring to what they said at all it was pretty great like let's get back on track fellas
1: yeah and i think that's the magic of that commentary team that's what i think makes it work i love them as a team like i think um excalibur is is very key To being there to to bring it back to the current day and the current product and calling the fucking moves like their actual names and, and knowing the style and the history of PWG and all that stuff. And then a guy like the history of Tony Schiavone and like, you know, the voice of JR, perhaps the greatest commentator of all time. And I thought JR did great on this. You know, there's some shows where people have been criticizing JR a little bit but i i couldn't fault him for a single thing on this broadcast and i think maybe tony was was part of of that i don't know what how do you think it sounded
2: uh audio wise i thought it sounded great at points and times it it did feel like, it definitely did feel kind of not polished, but it's the first fucking show, so that's yeah. to be expected. So outside of that, I honestly, I really fucking dug it. I thought it was great to open with Cody and Sammy. Yes. Uh, they're clearly going to put their a uh, rocket behind Sammy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he looked ridiculous with the bear fur on. He needs to get rid of that shit immediately. It's <laughs> a panda, sir. It's a panda. Oh, yeah, panda bear. <laughs> it's the worst kind of bear. can't even fuck to save its own species. The thing sucks. <laughs> but yeah, the show overall was great and i loved the opener it it probably was the best choice
1: yeah i think it was the the perfect match to open it with both because it it made cody come across like a complete fucking superstar in every way um but it also really made um it it made semi guevara
2: yeah he looked fucking dope as hell and honestly sammy's really good and super mm-hmm. young so they do have an opportunity just like mjf yep. to have a fucking superstar on their hands
1: yep, yeah yeah I, I get a big time like gino hernandez kind of vibe from sammy oh yeah guevara. that's a good call mm-hmm. um in obviously different work styles over the years but like in terms of, of that that young good looking smarmy dude that you just want to punch in the fucking face like to me that's that's sammy guevara um uh, mjf of course fantastic as well probably you know the greatest promo in wrestling right now uh and but I, I wanted to make sure to make special mention of just how big time this felt like this this felt like you're watching like something significant in terms of the production the camera work the crowd the way it was lit up the big stage everything but the fireworks i thought it was awesome
2: uh the- one thing that I thought was fucking awesome, uh, was oh hang on a second. God damn it, Alicia, you distracting me. I had a thought and Alicia asked me to look at a fucking menu. What were you saying a second ago? <laughs> uh,
1: how just how big it around time around it looked and how big time it looked and felt.
2: Oh yeah, there you go. Uh it and the room looked full, but some people on the internet they, like started posting pictures of like before the showtime. They're like 30 minutes before the show and this one looks like I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, you guys (laughs) people have to get in and sit down what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, also
1: you know that it's like a sold out show I mean, scalpers are going to fucking do what scalpers do. If like scalpers buy some tickets and they can't unload those tickets, that's not on the fucking promotion, that's like on these incompetent scalpers. So if there are empty seats that are bought and paid for, the fuck are you complaining about, you know? I don't get it. Uh I think uh, there were definitely the feeling on Twitter that night of a lot of people that really just wanted to see AEW fail in any way that uh was was possible or try to criticize anything that was possibly uh criticizable to uh make a great conanism <laughs> right <yeah>. there.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um <laughs> But I mean, it, it was you know, vice versa. Critique. Yeah, yeah, it was vice versa. Like there are a lot of people that, that criticised NXT um for a lot of things that were maybe outside of their control. Uh, I'll to give the devil his due. I thought there were some fucking awesome matches when I, I rewatched some of the the stuff of NXT last night. Um, Want to make special mention to that uh, awesome Adam Cole Matt Riddle match. Uh, I thought the Pete Dunn match with um. With fucking what's his new name? Danny Birch. Danny Birch, Uh was was totally like just an amazing under the ten minute match, and I really really liked Shayna Baszler against um uh Candice. Yeah, yeah, Candice LeRae. I thought that was fantastic. too. did you you watch that show too?
2: I watched the last, the last half, and yeah, it it felt just like another episode of NXT, unfortunately, yes. but still, it's always good. I mean, it's. Hard to fault good wrestling, but mm-hmm. uh, I just felt like AEW came off more special. Hundred percent. They, the Bucks talked about how it's going to be the people are going to get burned out on the full sale audience and the environment, and I guess the WWE is already trying to make moves to get out of there. So, did you I hear what Dave said about
1: that? that? What he said? No, I didn't. He said apparently seventy minutes into the show, he got his first message of someone who works at WWE saying. We need to get the fuck out of this building. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, because I, I was watching, I thought it was really cool. You know, a lot of people were watching them, like switching channels, kind of like watching it like Nitro and Raw back in the day, uh, all having oh, yeah. like the TVs side by side at like a bar. And now showing like this one and this one. And like just watching one versus the other, just flipping channels one to the other like that. How it, it was just glaring how one of them looked like a big time fucking must watch. Uh, tip like show and the other one was like this uh small show in front of a couple hundred people no matter how yep. enthusiastic those fans were so but i mean at the same or time how
2: good the rest of yeah, it is yeah doesn't
1: matter exactly but I, I think nxt if they do go on the road i think they'll have trouble drawing crowds because like right now their shows outside of um florida like their shows in florida do what like a couple hundred people and then there are ones outside of that uh, do a roundabout if it's a good house they'll do like a 1000 people so probably more on par with like ROH if anything so i'm i'm questioning the logic of if they were to um take it on the road of how they would do it the at the box office what do you think
2: no you're probably right no you're you're 100% right there's been issues they actually Didn't they have a bunch of shows planned that they decided did not run? Mm -hmm. And that was probably due to ticket sales, I imagine.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, you do hear a lot of WWE cancellations due to um, lack of ticket sales these days. But um, I I guess they're thinking, you know, they got this show on USA Network for a show that used to just be on the WWE Network. So they're thinking that um, they'll get a lot more interest and a lot more people wanting to buy tickets because they've got a new audience that is watching it on TV now. But... I'm not sure be interesting to see how it goes
2: yeah i mean they it's either take the risk or continue to stagnate so i mean mm. what are they gonna do it's it'll be fun to see
1: i mean the crowd look was for the the small crowd that was there they were enthusiastic as all fuck but i don't think they're gonna be like that every single week week after week i think we're gonna have like, yeah, in, like impact zone after yeah. the dude with the who used to spin the towel left i, I used to love him <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but um, no, it was an exciting night to be a wrestling fan, um, and not to be like the cliche of the fans were the winners or blah blah blah. But it, it was, it was cool, it was a, a cool time to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm watching right now, you know.
2: There is so much wrestling right now, and if yeah. you try to take on like. MLW and beyond as well. It's
3: Billy Corgan's NWA
2: studio show. Oh yeah, what's that called? Uh, Power. Name of it. Power. How? Yeah. They always like those fucking strong ass names, man. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> so he's like talking about the name Dynamite. I'm like, that is a great name. It's yeah. Wednesday night Dynamite on TNT. How could you not understand? Close off the that tongue.
1: Is? It's got a great pun to yeah. it.
2: And at the end of the day, Raw and SmackDown are both terrible. Like, if you consider it (laughs) overall, they're not good names. Like, SmackDown is Raw's catchphrase, or The Rock's catchphrase. And Raw, okay, it's okay. It's not... Extremely terrible, but it just says raw. Like, what? What? What are we invoking
1: here? I pop with the raw I one moved. because what it, it used to be. You know, you had that it compared down. to Nitro, and it was the one that felt more raw. It like felt like live and gritty, and it had swearing. Yeah, I mean, and was Yeah, it, world. It, You could not get further from raw than. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what <With> WWE's offering? <laughs> it's
1: kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Overcooked is what I should call it. <laughs> <laughs> overpolished. WWE. Overpolished. Monday Night Live. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Um, oh, dude, I, I cannot finish this podcast without putting over my favorite match from AEW on uh, that night. That riho Nyla Rose match. I thought that was that was sort of rough at some points, but there was like an emotion to it. And especially going down the finishing stretch where like Rio got the, the big upset win. Like I thought there was like just a palpable emotion that like you, you don't see in normal day-to-day wrestling. And I, I fucking loved it. what did you think about that? I, one?
2: I dug it too. And I actually think the the thing you mentioned about the, the main little hiccups or mistakes mm-hmm.
1: actually
2: almost added to it. It showed like how, much bigger. Fucking Nyla was a real. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to simply be able to manhandle her at all. Uh, that was a bad. That was
1: horrible. <laughs> Didn't cut um. did Jr. Almost cut did cut the out. same thing, and he corrected himself on the telecast. I thought that was uh,
2: awesome. Cut, cut that out. See <laughs> <Oopsie. laughs> Actually, I actually mentioned on the show. I thought Nyla looked great. Her, yep. her makeup looked tremendous. Yeah, like, I, I know that's weird to mention, but she looked really pretty.
1: I thought uh, she—it's interesting thing with her in that she—she's a a monster heel, you know. Actually,
2: pretty. She's better. Alicia, (laughs) Alicia looked at me and gave me a goofy face. I guess she missed me saying manhandling about the situation. (laughs) (laughs) That was worse, babe. I actually said that on accident. (laughs) I would cut this whole part
1: out. Cut it all. (laughs) This is where we have the the technical difficulties. Music, but no, we we know what you meant. We know what you meant. There was there was no ill will there.
2: The way you said it, Alicia was wrong. I didn't say she actually looked great. I said she. I didn't say actually. You threw that in there. We'll play it back. <laughs> there's audio recording. We'll figure out the whole. Yeah. The whole show is being now. Me and Alicia arguing. <laughs> this, this Cut is... it out. All right, let's
1: continue. No, I I love this, and I, I, I was saying I think there's an interesting thing with Nyla in that she's she's meant to be like the the monster heel, but at the same time there's like a, a conscious conscious effort to make her like feminine and to Lineable. present her in a, a feminine, likable way, and where yeah. I'm I'm like. It's more the likable side of it. Like, I don't give a, a fuck, you know. You can, you can still be, like, a feminine monster. Like, that's a thing. But, like, the the idea to where they're, they're trying... Like, some of... Do you see some of those hype videos on, like, The Road 2 where they had Nyla talking about how the hard life she's had and, and being a, a trans woman and all this stuff? It's like... If
2: you're a I'm monster... face it
1: Yeah, if you're a monster heel, like, I, I don't get... The idea of that—it's the same thing they did with like Brandy, where they had that like build, big build-up with like her failed uh, ice skating career, and how she'd always lose the big one. You got so much sympathy for her, and then she comes out just as like a total two-dimensional heel on um, Fighter Fest or whatever it was, where she had um, Kong come in and, and cheat and help her out. Like, <laughs>
2: yeah, I I, go both ways with this one—offering sympathy but also making them look like a dickhead.
1: Yeah, and I know there was a thing like Cody has been quoted as saying is like the uh, wrestling isn't just a two-dimensional black and white thing. We have, you know, complicated characters. It's not necessarily heel-face blah blah blah. And I get character depth, but when it like comes to being a confusing way on the fans part to like how am I meant to respond here? Am I meant to clap or boo? I don't fucking know what I'm meant to do. That's where I think it can be a bit fucked up.
2: I do like those clear lines and. At the same time, it's uh, it's fun to respect all the wrestlers, mm-hmm. but it gets overkill when everyone starts chanting both these guys. So, <laughs> I think while we're watching the show, we should be able to choose one side. I think we all understand that you like both wrestlers. When it all comes down to it, you can clap for them to signify you like everybody. But yeah, there should be clear lines. I like that.
1: It's, mm. I mean, that's really what wrestling's built on, right?
2: Yeah. I don't um, want to be confused who I'm supposed to be hating. Like, I, yeah. It shouldn't be that the, where the wrestler has to come up and make fun of an autistic kid so I know he's a bad guy. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> class, class all the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, overall, I, I thought it was a complete home run for AEW, though, and I, I think there's Green. things for them to work on. But fuck, it's it's first week in, dude. So it's like what what do people expect? Everything's gonna be like it it really was more firing on all cylinders than I expected it to be. But there's still little things that I think they can they can tweak and, and make a little bit better. Like the uh these
2: motherfuckers add more content even. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh they they have more content by now. Adding
1: mm-hmm. another show for all the dark matches. I I was so. fan of that though because I, I saw one idea. of the that one happens. of the dark matches was Darby and Seema. And I'm like, how the fuck did I miss out on Darby and Seema? There better be like a fan cam of this or something that I can find <laughs> on YouTube later. And then as really nice guys, they're just releasing it every week on uh, what is it Tuesday nights on YouTube mm-hmm. for AEW Dark. So yeah. Great, and and those matches actually count towards the dude's records apparently as well, which I wasn't expecting, but makes sense. That's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I can't wait till uh, next week's episode, and I I just can't tell you how excited I am to be excited like to to finish watching a wrestling television show, and to actually look forward to the next episode. Like it, yeah. it's been so long since I've had that fucking feeling while watching wrestling. Robbie since like the. Maybe like...
2: Probably WCW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It honestly is for me. I'm like, the last time I remember like, was when a WCW and I'm like, God damn it, why can't it be fucking Friday? Or fucking Monday again?
1: What's the NWO going to do next? This is madness. Yeah. We have to find out. Yeah. Damn it, TDP. Get out of there. <laughs> <sighs> oh, no. It, it's good to be pumped uh about wrestling and it, it feels so weird to be saying that in a way you know but uh yeah. it, it's awesome and I, I can't wait till next week's episode and yeah man it's it, it's good um i didn't watch smackdown did you
2: Uh, yeah, not all of it, but I did watch a fair amount. I mean,
1: this isn't our our wheelhouse. I didn't necessarily want to fucking review SmackDown here, but there was one thing that I wanted to ask you your opinion on. I think you may know what it is. Bring it. Uh, Kofi dropping the title in, like, seven seconds to Brock, and then fucking Kane Velasquez coming out and beating up Brock Lesnar. I... (sighs) Saw this on my Facebook feed. I watched the entire title match in a uh, seven-second Facebook video, (laughs) and then I saw (laughs) this amazing beatdown, and I was like, you know what, nothing excites me about WWE at the moment, but I'm actually intrigued by this. But then there was a lot of negative reaction that I saw was kind of like the polar opposite of the way I took it um, on my Twitter feed. So where where did you kind of settle on that one?
2: Uh, I'm not going to tweet about it because... Clearly, people are mad. But I love the whole whole thing because I like wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's all, I don't, when I'm watching wrestling, I don't think about the way it affects people's careers necessarily. I would, I'm thinking about how entertaining the moment is. And that sometimes is hot-shotting shit, unfortunately. Like, you know, all of a sudden Brock has his title and Kane is coming after it and they're going to Saudi Arabia. I, I thought the way they booked it was Cody, Kofi was dumb and went for a kick. Mm. that he shouldn't have right out the gate which is smart like for Brock to just fucking grab him and then drop him yeah I, people were mad that Kofi got dropped off after of, one uh five and Seth was able to eat a bunch of them and then still win I I don't know I don't feel like it's a total burial I think Kofi no. had a, a pretty good run with the title
1: right yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a way longer run than I was expecting him to. Um, and to me, it, it's almost like that uh, thing in, um, in in UFC, you know. You can get a flash knockout, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the guy is an incompetent as a fighter. He just got fucking caught, you know. I think that, that kind of stuff can happen, and it should happen and from time to the time. Burials. Yeah, burial. You buried the guy. Uh, they totally jumped him out. He squashed him. <laughs>
2: Shut the
1: fuck up! Enjoy the show, kid. Yeah, you know yeah. No, I um, I'm intrigued. I'll say that because uh, I I think Kane can be a big time star. He has like a, a raw kind of like baby face, kind of like from like not a polished baby face, but he's got like some sort of charisma there to where it's like Mexican that Walter kind of charisma. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <It's, it's> Soft spoken <laughs> badass Mexican, Mexican. Walter. <laughs> i uh
2: personally i think some of you are, are annoyed that they're presenting kane as like you know punch kick guy versus punch kick guy but mm-hmm. i think they're just they're gonna do that and then he's gonna wow these motherfuckers with some lucha mm-hmm. bits you know oh hang on, hang
1: on. we're back we're back <laughs> uh. <laughs> what happened? uh no 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 we had the um the the closing out music uh coming up so i i paused the show uh push that out. And yeah, we're here to to finish things up. Uh, Sorry to finish off your your thought about punch kick guy versus punch kick guy. Uh, Oh, I'm just
2: saying that the people are going to be... I think that what they're doing is setting people up to be shocked, because probably a lot of people don't know that Cain Velasquez, not only is he an MMA guy, he has been training in wrestling and won the style of Lucha Libre. Mm. So I think they're, gonna, they're basically setting up to shock people when he busts that shit out. But unfortunately, yeah. I won't be seeing this match because I'm not going to watch anything in Saudi Arabia. So, yeah. tough titties for Jeremy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll probably be the same in, unless I'm like last time where I'm like, I'm not watching anything, but I'm not going to miss out on Undertaker versus fucking Goldberg. like a piece of shit Uh, but I don't know we'll we'll see but yeah I was slightly dubious of like really they hit this cool big time angle uh, only for the match to be taking place on this show that a lot of people are not going to watch I feel like it's a waste fucking annoying I don't know I guess uh, that's where the money's at right and then I heard uh, it sounds like Kane hasn't even signed a long term deal yet which is very unlike WWE and then they had Tyson Fury jump over the fucking rail. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I do you think this is Bischoff? You think this is like signs of what Bischoff's like? Oh, we have to change shit up. We can do shit differently. We need stuff that's going to interest games, people.
2: Celebrity contracts. Yeah, that is that holy shit that has Bischoff's handwriting all over it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not intrigued. So, yeah. Oh, agreed. Intr- interesting. We'll uh, see how it goes, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's shut this baby down. Uh, what, a, down. what a what a show we've had! Like you said, of oh, so uh, several nice. countries, several time zones. Uh, yeah, um, um, to, to finish the off thing this thing tri- I want to say before we mm-hmm. close up
2: is this show would have dropped on Wednesday, but we were trying to record with John, <laughs> and then we were trying to record with John last night. And then we put it off today because, you know, John, and then John couldn't record. John, what are you do you doing? You're enjoying life. That's what John's doing, you son of a bitch.
1: I, for one, am, uh, <laughs> I'm happy that John is out there enjoying life, I'm especially the, particularly, the particular manner that he's enjoying life, which we're not going to go into. <laughs> but uh, I... I would never be one to say, hey, you should be stopped doing that to record a fucking podcast. <laughs> 100%, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. But uh, uh, thank you, me. John. Thank you, everybody, that uh, we, we got to meet on this, this bowler weekend. And thank you, most of all, to you, my friend, for continuing yeah. this What's ship John- on.
2: Yes. What's John Craft's uh, Twitter handle so we can tell people
1: to go follow him? Uh, I'm gonna I don't know, know if he
2: tweeted tweet anything interesting. I can't say he does.
1: I think he probably just shares people. this show.
2: Jaycraft something.
1: I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up. Anyway, you get your plug okay. skis in while I look that up.
2: All right, it's Jcraft nine hundred one. Got it. Boom. I have fingers, motherfucker. <laughs> uh my name is Jeremy Tate You can follow me on Twitter. Uh you can follow me on the Instagram. Both of those things. You can find me at James Vanderby. J-A-I-M-S Vanderbeek. Don't worry, I don't think I'm that guy. It's an old long story. Don't worry about <laughs>
1: um, uh, Thank you. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Chris Things on the Twitter at ChrisThings on the Instagram. Also, huge thanks to the great team over at Social Suplex. Uh, the Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, all of that at SocialSuplex.com uh, featuring... Fabulous shows, including Grown Men Watch This Shit, uh, such Mm. as One Nation Radio, Ricky and Claude Wrestling Show, The All Elite Show, Keeping It Strong Style uh, A lot of fun stuff So check it out, and thanks guys Uh, Also us At Grown Men Pod, uh, and uh, Yeah, thanks to all of you Who listen through This mess week to week We appreciate it (laughs) Thanks (laughs) Thanks.
2: <laughs> Thanks And get twisty ladies and
1: germs There we go wow,